Catch that? This is a beautiful little bird right there. Little birdie. How you doing? Oh, it's off. And oh my gosh! Just uh, you know, just chilling. That's a. You have to go. That's a big freaking alligator. Now. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, we knew there were alligators there. We had been there before, but right everyone there. appreciate this. I'm told that you can measure the length of an alligator. And oh my gosh! In terms of foots, foots, feet. In uh, if you measure the distance of the nostrils to the eyes, or the eyes to the something. If you, the alligator was big. Look at this thing. Look at its nostrils. Look at its nostril right there. That little black dot that just opened up. Just a little prehistoric dinosaur. You have to go. Chilling. Oh, good evening, everybody. It's Sunday night. Okay, hold on. I'm just going to make sure I'm perfectly centered. Clock in the back is the right time. Do I look? Okay, I don't look quite as haggard as I felt on Friday. I see, like, the, the weight of the world is giving me the, uh, the white stripe of uh, hair. I think the weight of the world is giving me bags under the eyes and making me tired and cranky. <sighs> okay, I, I was going to start with something that was not... <laughs> something that was not upsetting, not irritating. This place is called the, Lo the Arthur Marshall, the Arthur Marshall Lokahachi Reserve, or Loxahachi, I don't know how people pronounce it. It's amazing. They've got a little boardwalk that goes through the forest. They've got these tall trees, which you don't see very many of in Florida, with these like weeping sort of, looks like cotton, branched on the branches, just drooping down. It flows with the wind. It feels like you're in Georgia or uh, like a southern state, which I guess Florida is. Then you go down to that canal that you just saw, which separates the developed Florida from the Everglades. There's a little like two-story staircase you go up, and it's flat like the African savanna, or savanna is the word I'm looking for, for 200 kilometers. That's like 130 of those Freedom Eagle Liberty thingy things. Anyways, it's just amazing. There's alligators at that place all the time. You always have to watch out for them. There was the, the one-eyed alligator there before. Spanish moss. I don't know if it's Spanish moss. But uh, let me see here. Ekero says, Viva, the weight of the world is blank. Also, what's up, man? I wanted to start with something totally flipped. I was going to start. Well, you know what? I have it on the backdrop here. We'll go with the other. I, I, I was torn between Viva and the goat or uh, the alligator. Let me see here. Let me see here. Viva. Here we go. Viva and the goat. Yesterday, in an attempt to distract from the, the, the woes of the world, we went back to Strawberry Girls U-Pick, which is a wonderful picking farm thing. They have a petting zoo, and I was making friends with the locals. Viva and the goat. Look at this! Yep. Hello, goat. Look at that cute little thing. Nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah, and then... Eat my finger. There you go. Can you eat my finger? Then I spent the rest of the day thinking I had just contracted E. coli or something from the lettuce that I put in my mouth because it was lettuce destined for farm animals and not for human consumption. Oh, Viva, you visit goats to shed the weight of the world. Yes, I won't tell you what else I do to shed the weight of the world. It involves rubbing the velvety inside of their nostrils, which are wonderfully smooth and beautiful. All right, good. 
Good evening, everybody. It's going to be uh, an amazing show. There's going to be actually only law tonight. I think we're we're gonna. It's it's going to be law because I think when the world is falling apart, being torn apart at the seams, uh, we can all agree on at least a few things. Politicians are the scum of the earth. Lawyers are the scum of the earth. And um, tonight we're going to have a good crossover between all of them. <sighs> Standard disclaimers: no medical advice, no election fortification advice, no legal advice. Uh, these wonderful things here that you see, Cheryl Gage, $5 super chat. Because I have ad blocker, YouTube is kicking me off the platform in a week unless I buy premium. Any thoughts, Viva? Here's my thought. Let me screen grab that and think about it some more. They're going to they're gonna ban people who have ad... I, I don't even know what the policy would be. But all that to say, Cheryl, thank you for the support. Bear in mind, YouTube takes 30% of that. Uh, if you want to support and feel good about the support... You should go to vivabarneslaw.locals.com or alternatively, actually, how do I always forget uh, to plug my own merch, our own merch? You could support the channel by getting some merch. Check this out. Look at this. Ooh, wanted for president. This is on the menu tonight, people. A week of madness in the Trump trial from New York to New York, because there's two of them there. Um, no, actually, there's only one going on in New York now to D.C., to Jor, oh my goodness, we're going to talk about it. But if you want to support the channel and you want to wear some awesome merch, go to vivafry.com, ton of stuff there. Uh, vivabarneslaw.locals.com and on Rumble, where they have the equivalent of super chats called Rumble Rants, and Rumble takes 20% of that ordinarily, uh, except exceptionally for the rest of the year, they're going to take 0% of that. Um, but in 2024, they're going to go back to the 20%. So those are the places you can do this. Okay. Um, I'm reading some of the chat there. We are live on all platforms, YouTube, Rumble, and vivabarneslaw.locals.com, where after the show, we end and we take, uh, answer all questions there. We got the tips in, in, in Viva Barnes Law, so we answer all of those questions at $5 and more. Uh, the other thing that I forgot to mention, oh yeah, that's right. We're going to end on YouTube in about, I don't know, 24 minutes. Take it over to Rumble where we have the party. End on Rumble, have the after show on vivabarneslaw.locals.com. Okay, it was, we're going to go from like, I'm not talking about the Matthew Perry uh, passing. The, I, I, I'm going to talk about it a, a little bit, but no, there's no political angle to it. It's just to say the man had a life of addiction, which takes its toll on the body. He met, the man had a social media presence and made social media posts, which everyone's going to go back to now and say, you know, was it this? Was it that? Was it a contributing factor between a life of abuse on his body through drugs and alcohol combined with the shirt that he was wearing not long ago posting to social media? My major takeaway from all of this is, you know, first of all, we're, we're so far out of the my Sharona Cyrus Schmenschmendrick, for those who have been around the channel for long enough. We're like three, four years out now. People are going to, you know, people are going to continue dying. It's the world in which we live. There are stats. I talked to Dr. Drew about it. I'm not posting that stream to YouTube for obvious reasons. I'm just not having that argument with YouTube ever again. There's stats, undeniable stats. And there will be people just passing as they get older. My reflections on this is he was 54 years old. I mean, when you're a kid, that's, that's old. F 55, that's old. You're, you're, you're half my goodness, 44 years old, 54 years old is just around the corner. It's crazy. And it's like, it's, it's life. It's fleeting. 
and you want to be here and you want to do your best while you're here. You want to live as long as you can without compromising your morals where a long life of cowardice is worthless. A long life of cowardice is more torturous than a life cut short by, you know, living up to your beliefs, living up to your, living up to your, your, your principles. That movie Magnolia, P.T. Anderson, you know, the guy on his deathbed at the end, he's saying life is not long. Life is not short. Life is long. Life is long when you live with regret, um, shame, and live with the wrong decisions. Mm. So Matthew Perry passed away. It's terrible. You know, the internet does its thing. I'm, I've never been into public displays of, of uh, uh, you know, thoughts and prayers. If, if you know the person personally, you reach out to their family. Doing it on social media has always felt a little weird to me. Dude passed away. And the articles, you know, make it sound like he drowned in a hot tub. Yep. Drowned in a hot tub after suffering cardiac arrest. So the framing is all there. Oh, Matthew Perry tragically drowned in a hot tub. People say, was it drug related? Did he, was he, did he, did he relapse? Did he pass out and then drown? No, apparently it was cardiac arrest leading to drowning in a hot tub. Then my mother, who you all know is neurotic, but according to Dr. Drew, neurotic, but right. Says, don't stay out of hot tubs. There's no point going into hot tubs. They increase your blood pressure, et cetera, et cetera. So that's that. But now the Matthew Perry uh, raises some interesting questions um, in terms of, you know, what, what we're noticing. Statistics. Increases in all-cause mortality of a certain age bracket that can't be explained uh, through ordinary channels. But I won't get there. But I will bring up Nilly KM. Uh, Nilly Kaplan from, Montre- from Ottawa, people. If you haven't seen her, she's blocked me on Twitter uh, a long time ago. She blocked me before I even knew who she was. Um, she's... A- not a very pleasant person from what her social media persona is. Um, a mask tyrant, some have called her. Uh, a, a practicing physician, by the looks of it, uh, who you may have known because this is a woman who is a mask fascist or a maskist, sadomasochist, fascist, mask fascist, whatever. Um, a jab promoter like it's nobody's business who has been on the show recently uh, through her tweets that I get from my moles because she got COVID twice in a month, despite being vaxxed to the max, despite wearing a mask wherever she goes, she got COVID not once, but twice in a month. The second time she was complaining that these symptoms were more severe than the first. Um, and that was recently. And then even more recently, coming out of uh, Rowan V. Stallion, he's got his moles because we're all collectively blocked by this, by this, this person. Um, after having complained about having gotten COVID twice in a month, posts this tweet, Friday reminder that everyone in Ontario is eligible as of next week for a flu shot and the COVID XBB.1.5. Say it in Jimmy Fallon's voice. Depending on the date of your last booster and infection, also mask up, hashtag mask up indoors. It's not a joke, by the way. It's not a parody. Like it's, it's not a parody. It's a mentally unwell person. I'm not a doctor. I'm not diagnosing anyone in any formal sense, just colloquial observations. Hashtag COVID-19 infections are severely high in our community. And she's showing that she got the booster. And my question to this post was, is it even advisable? I don't know if that picture is an old picture and she's just, you know, doing her public service reminder. What that public service is, is questionable. Are you even supposed to get jabbed, boosted, whatever it's called, 
within such short proximity of not one but two COVID infections. Now, I'm not a doctor and I'm not giving medical advice. I'm just asking questions that a neurotic individual with thanatophobia, for anybody who doesn't know what that is, it's, a, it's an acute fear of death. I'm just asking the obvious questions. I don't want to die. I'm not sure that I'd want to live forever. I don't want to live a long life of cowardice and compromised principles, but I don't want to make a stupid mistake and cut my life short. Are you even supposed to get boosted after not one but two um, infections within short proximity, within short proximity? Who the hell knows? That was the lighthearted part of the show um, to start with that. And before I get to some of the crumble rants and super chats, uh, before Barnes comes in. Speaking of leading a healthy life, I want to make the good decisions and I want to make the right decisions. I make a lot of good ones and I make a lot of right ones. Exercise, vitamin D. I'm not really good at not being stressed out, but that um, I've been told by many people is just hardwired into my body. But healthy diet I have, with a few exceptions of, you know, uh, I like red meat, but I'm not even sure that the, the science is settled on that anymore. Healthy habits fieldofgreens.com powdered greens. Now, everybody knows or should know you're supposed to have between five and seven servings of raw fruits and vegetables a day. Why? Roughage, roughage or roughage? Fibers, uh, antioxidants, uh, nutrients, all of the good stuff. Most people don't have that uh, at all. Most people eat like, you know, foods that are all brown. If you've ever been to England, it's like the, the color of the food is brown. Most people do not have colored fruits. and They don't have a colorful diet. And a colorful diet is a sign of a healthy diet. You get your raw fruits and vegetables in. And if you don't, and even if you do, fieldofgreens.com, it's desiccated greens, powdered, pulverized greens, fruits and vegetables with all of the antioxidants. One spoonful twice a day is one spoonful is one serving of fruits and vegetables. So you do that twice a day. You're getting two servings of fruits and vegetables, USDA organic approved. I spent time on the phone with the doctor of the company to make sure I, I understood everything. It's good, it tastes good, um, and it's a healthy habit to not sucking down a disgusting, chemical-filled diet beverage as though that's any healthier. One spoonful in water twice a day is two servings of raw fruits and vegetables a day and all the good stuff, antioxidants, nutrients, etc. Go to fieldofgreens.com. It will bring you to Brickhouse Nutrition. Promo code VIVA for 15% off your first order. The link is in the description. Oh my goodness, I didn't send Barnes the uh, link tonight. I knew I knew I forgot something. <laughs> Wait a minute, maybe I did. I'm not sure if I did. I'll do it again just in case. Uh, Barnes link. Here it is. I, I, th I thought I, I thought I might have been forgetting something. Uh, the link is in the description. Booyah. Now. I was going to bring this up. Could you be feeling the weight of the world on your shoulders and have discovered that your path you have taken is the wrong way? No. Categorical no. The path, it depends what you mean by the path. What I'm doing, where I'm doing it, no. The way I'm which I'm doing it, maybe. Things that I'm doing along the... I'm always open for improvement, but that's... No, that the path I have taken is the wrong way. I don't think so. Ask me that in a year or two. Uh, no, I could, I could have answered that definitively when it came to the practice of law, as was my sentiment. Every day was not better than the last. There was not one day where I loved it more than the day before, with the exception maybe of when I left the big firm and started on my own. Uh, I would be doing this regardless. 
making sense of the world, trying to make sense of it to myself and hopefully making sense of it to other people as well. Thank you, IT, uh, for, the, for, the, for the super chat. Assuming you mean this world, the answer is just on the high side of 13 times 10 to the power of 24 pounds. Not providing the answer in kilograms. Pashamora, I'm not going to be able to get to that um, answer. 13 times 10 is 1,300 to the power of 24. Maybe that's the weight of the earth. Dude, what is that? Okay, now I got to know what this is. I'm going to screen grab this. If you got IT laughing at you, now I feel stupid that I don't get it. All right, I'm not your buddy guy, says Barnes for Attorney General. Would fix a lot of the problem. All right, now before Barnes gets here or until Barnes gets here, I wanted to start... um, Oh, no. We're going to have a good laugh. We're going to have a good laugh. Going to avoid the politics side of this thing. We're going to go to Canada for a bit, everybody. Mark Gerritsen is another man who I've been giving something of a hard time to on the, on the Twitterverse. Am I giving you a hard time? He put out a poll yesterday. I didn't know he was doing a highly scientific test. He put out a poll on Twitter is where I saw it that says, oh, polling. Do you support Pierre Poilievre? That's the uh, conservative leader uh, in Canada of the Conservative Party, the leader of the Conservative Party in Canada. Do you support Pierre Poilievre importing MAGA politics into Canada? Now, ladies and gentlemen out there, for those of you who aren't familiar with uh, crappy um, argumenting, argumentation tactics or debate tactics, this is what we call loading the question. Do you support Pierre Poilievre importing MAGA politics into Canada? What in the name of sweet holy hell does that even mean? But set that aside. He asked the poll on Twitter and he got lambasted, wamboozled. I mean, it didn't help that he had a number of conservative accounts. I do not consider myself to be conservative. I shared the tweet. I know roughly how the audience that we have amassed here is going to vote on that, on that tweet, if only because it's a stupid-ass question and it deserves mockery at the public level of the highest order. 20,000 votes on Twitter, and it was 90% said yes. Mark puts out and says, look at this, I asked the identical question. On threads versus Twitter, on threads it was 96% no, and on Twitter it was 90% yes. And I said because I have half of a brain in my head. Mark, how many people voted on <laughs> You'll notice, by the way, in the picture, it acutely cuts off right below the no, it would have said 20,000 votes. I don't know how it works on threads because I'm not on threads and I'm not downloading that app. Oh my goodness. I just said, so uh, how, many, how many votes did you get on threads? Because I guarantee you, I said, I suspect it's 200 votes. Ladies and gentlemen, I've got my moles in there. 293 votes he had on threads versus 20,000 on Twitter. It's the most epic cell phone you can possibly imagine. And it goes to show you, remember when they said Twitter was dead and threads is going to be the wave of the future? Two, it, the best this guy could get on, on, on threads is 293 votes on his, on his tweet and gets 20,000 on Twitter. I mean, I said that's his, fr- his friends, family the Liberal Party, and maybe a couple of staffers, and that's his vote. Yeah, I bet you 96% of them would say no to that question. I don't want his MAGA politics in here. Oh, my goodness. Oh, the weight of the earth. Don't put it on your shoulders. Okay, good. I got it. I got it. What about if you don't... Pasha, you got to factor in the spiritual weight of the world. All right, so anyways, on the menu tonight, people... um, Oh, share the link around also, by the way, but on the menu for tonight... Well, Barnes is going to tell us what's on the menu for the night. I see him in the backdrop. Let me know when you're ready, Robert. 
And uh, let me see if I've got uh, is my, the Rumble. No Rumble rants to read as of yet. Let me refresh this page here. And let me pause my face. Okay, there we go. Robert, sir, he looks like he's ready. I'm bringing you in. Three, two, one. Sir, how goes the battle? Good, good. Okay, now hold on a second. I am seeing two new... Okay, Wesley Snipes on the back. That's not new. What is over your shoulder to the book on that side? Uh, it's Soccernomics. So the uh, it's a, a book we'll be discussing at uh, Sports Picks, uh, where we do uh, uh, political predictions, sports predictions, other predictions. So the uh, having fun so far this year, uh, profitable in all the major sports. Uh, though we don't have the, uh, we may put up odds on the new sport, uh, odds that Viva uses his son as bait to catch that alligator. <laughs> I said, I, I told him, like, we're getting away from the alligator because I've seen videos where they jump out of the water basically the length of their body, but someone right. And it seemed to be waiting for you. It was just sitting there. It was like it opened one eye, it looked up, and then it closed it. But <laughs> so, someone rightly pointed out they can only jump that far out of the water in deeper water where they can use their body for the projectile. So, yeah, we, we were safe, but. Um, I wasn't messing around. Did you with that show the little guy or did you just say time to go? Oh no, no. He saw we were we were looking at it afterwards for a little bit and just staying below the rails. It was just chilling. It was taken in the sun, but um it was I think it was a good ten footer. But you know, I, I wanted to feed it, but you're really not allowed feeding them. I don't want it to get killed, so we left it alone. Um dude, Mikey, I told you my mother is a neurotic woman. I knew about that story. That it's like she's like, David, don't go near the water with your dogs or your kids. If, I don't know how anybody can't see the alligator if they're not looking for it because they're not. I mean, they're stealthy for animals, but you can see their nose in shallow water. You can see them coming. You just have to be paying much attention. Robert, what's on the menu for tonight? Uh, first up, uh, Trump. That was the most popular topic uh, mm. on the uh, locals board tonight. Uh, the covering uh, the contempt and the when the courts are state actors. And uh, also a copyright concerning Trump pending before the Supreme Court. Uh, Owen Troyer, solitary confinement and a inmate uh, related lawsuit about lockdowns in Wisconsin. Uh, Supreme Court, when can uh, they ban you from their social media pages? That Supreme Court's finally taken that up. In fact, they're going to hear oral arguments on Halloween itself. Uh, maybe that's apropos, given some of our politicians. Uh, you know, the question about if you dressed up as John Fetterman, does that, you know, which character does, does that count at as, as Frankenstein? Uh, you know, for, we watched the young Frankenstein this week at the, uh, on the board or, uh, or does it count as, uh, what's his name that, uh, uncle Fester from, Un uh, or, well, it could, you could go for a three, four, or does it count as his body double? Because <laughs> a lot of people think that that's right. not John as, Fetterman. As the original, uh, uh, Fetterman, the, uh, uh, bank aiding, what happens when banks get caught aiding Ponzi schemes? How often does that happen? Uh, on trial uh, this week, uh, SBF concerning FTX, he took the stand on Friday, and a Baltimore prosecutor that the Democrats and the media aren't talking about a whole lot, uh, but it's the Freddie Gray prosecutor, goes on federal trial. Uh, evidence, uh, More evidence concerning Biden. When you just call everything a loan, SBF was giving us lessons on that on Friday. Apparently, that's also going to be the Joe Biden defense. Uh, reggaeton, the entire basis of an entire musical genre, is subject to a current copyright suit of someone who claims to own all of reggaeton. I think that's how you pronounce it. I have no idea. Magic mushrooms in court. Uh, when do the statute of limitations apply? What kind of injury do you have to have know, know about? Two bonus topics uh, for the after party at Locals. 
Uh, benzene might be in uh, your dry shampoo. And uh, the big debate about trans in kids' sports before the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals, probably heading for the Supreme Court, given the judges on the draw. And then there's a bonus off the top, uh, CBS reporter Catherine Herridge. The government's trying to get her sources. Uh, so I, mean, we, we're, I guess we have to start with Trump because it's just it's the biggest news of the week. Do we start with um, we'll start with the New York. Uh, what did he get? The New York uh, not contempt. What was he? Yeah, fined? yeah, that's fined, what it was. The, the judge issued more contempt fines and more threats. So he, he issued the first fine five thousand dollars. I forget what the statement was for that. Solely because his campaign still had a prior statement oh. on it that was not even issued after his gag order. That the, yeah that they didn't delete after they deleted it from the truth but not for, it was it was reposted somewhere else they didn't delete it. it's five thousand bucks just like that poof ten thousand bucks because it's got to go in escalating gradation of sanctions because he allegedly made a statement to an AP reporter or somewhere out in the hallway uh, about uh, what do you say the person sitting next to the judge is very biased the the person sitting next to the judge is very biased and. The judge thinks that he was talking about the clerk. And he said, you can't talk about my clerk anymore because the world cannot know that she's Chuck Schumer's girlfriend. Hashtag joking, but, you know, that she was posting pics with Chuck Schumer. And then brings him in. Robert, I, 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 I've been following the tweets. I've been following Gavea. We talked about it on Friday. Like, from what I understand, the judge asked Trump to testify or compelled him to testify to explain himself. For, explain how that's, for people who don't understand how that's even possible. How does the judge compel him to testify in a civil proceeding about contempt? As different forms of contempt yeah, is in essence. It, what is, is you see what some of us have known for a while, which is that the most often state official to abuse their power is not in the executive branch. It's not in the legislative branch. It's in the judicial branch. It's what Hamilton and Madison got wrong during the Federalist Anti-Federalist debate. The Anti-Federalists said you can't trust this kind of limited class of people with this amount of power that you're calling a judiciary. They will inevitably and inescapably abuse that power. And because at heart there was a strong elitist streak in a lot of the so-called founders, uh, the real founders of the people who staffed the fields and staffed the uh, economic engine and staffed the sanctions and the political protests and the ballot boxes, not just a few folks in powdered wigs sitting around a hall, but uh, for you know those that still fancy that's that the only founding fathers can be uh, a bunch of elite guys, not the people who actually made the revolution possible. Uh, the they got a lot of stuff wrong, and one of the things they got wrong was they trusted more their fellow elite class than they trusted the people who actually made the revolution successful. And one example of this was this way too much confidence that the Federalists had uh, in the judicial branch. The Anti-Federalists accurately forecast this branch will abuse the power the most. And one of the excuses that Hamilton and Madison and others used was, don't worry, the judicial branch doesn't have enforcement power. Don't worry, the judicial branch doesn't have the power of the purse or the power of the sword. Yes, they do. They just took it for themselves. What were you going to do to stop them from doing it? Now they seize people's bank accounts. Now they seize people's property. Now they can. Now they have marshals and bailiffs at their disposal. They now have the power of the sword. They now have the power of the purse. So, and and who, what's going to stop them when they declare that they unilaterally get to decide what's legal and constitutional about themselves? This judge is the personification 
of the problems with giving the judicial branch power to begin with in any great consequence. Now, to his credit, you know, Madison was for jury trials. He was for restricting judicial power with the Bill of Rights later on and so forth. But this was inherent to putting any elite body and saying, we're going to let you determine what the law is. We're going to let you determine what the Constitution says. And we're going to give you the tools and the tickets to seize power uh, of the purse and of of uh, property and of uh, the sort, which is what they've done. This judge is just abusing all his power. He is a state actor like everyone else. He can't restrain. Could a congressman come up and say, I hereby ban you from talking about my staff? That would be struck down as unconstitutional by these same courts tomorrow. Could the president come out and say, you can't talk about my staff? No, he'd be struck down as unconstitutional tomorrow. And yet a judge is doing it, and there's no consequence. There's no cry out from this uh, courts of appeals in New York or from the federal courts in New York. This is a judge constantly, consistently violating the federally constitutionally protected civil rights of President Trump in order to injudiciously interfere with an election and obstruct an honest and transparent election. This is a corrupt judge who, if we had an honest legal system, he would be the one behind bars, not President Trump. Uh, This is a he does not have the power to order Trump to testify. He does not have the constitutional power to uh, order uh, any fines against Trump. He didn't have the constitutional power to do the gag order. There's no constitutional basis for a gag order. His staff is free reign. They are public officials. You corrupt hack of a judge don't get to hide their corruption from the world. This is an ongoing disgrace that is a damnation of our judicial system, and so many lawyers are not saying boo about it. I'll bring it up. I know I'm gonna. I've played it before. I'll just play this one part again because it's it's beautiful to listen to. I have one last thing to say about tools. Um, a lot. I get a lot of what I do involves motions. These summary judgment motions I mentioned. And all right, am I following the law or am I making law? Okay, I'm I'm, I'm following law. I'm I'm an impartial referee. But it's hard to factor out my own emotions. And I have tools. Somebody can say... That's it. It's hard for me to factor out my own emotions. And I have tools. Now, Robert, he, so he, he compels Trump to testify, say, what was the meaning of that? You violated the court order talking about a member of my staff when you said someone next to me is extremely biased. Trump says, I'm talking about Michael Cohen, who was on the stand today, embarrassing himself and basically undoing the, the prosecution's case. And Angeron says... I don't believe you, $10,000. Now, you know, he talked about the tools that he has, um, uh, summary judgments, which, which he issued in this case. And there was a part of his speech where he says, what I'm going to say now is very controversial. Juries get it wrong a lot, and I can bypass a jury with a judgment notwithstanding a verdict. I was listening to mainstream media report on the Trump New York case, and they're saying, well, Trump's already been found guilty of fraud. Now they're just determining, you know, the amount. The, 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 the level of guilt. And I'm like, they've, out, they've successfully Alex Jones them. I said they were going to do it. Now the media narrative is he's already guilty because this judge said summary judgment guilty on one count of the fraud. Now I've sanctioned him $5,000, $10,000, which they're going to appeal. And the next sanction's got to be even more. Where does it and, end and, and what can be done? I mean, I mean, the question is, how embarrassing does it have to get for our courts to finally step in? Do, are they just going to end con, the, any even the appearance and the image of constitutional democracy? Does it have to completely collapse? 
Do people do, do they have to have 75 million people in the streets before they go, oh, golly, gee, maybe I should have done something instead of gone to my third cocktail party in the summer in the Hamptons, Justice Roberts. I mean, it's embarrassing. It is embarrassing. But the, the judiciary is so part of a professional class that is so prejudiced, so bigoted, and so embubbled that they don't understand this. They, 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 they do not understand that the world looks at this as a joke. The world looks at this as an embarrassment that you have this lunatic old man presiding over President Trump in a trial he has no legal power to even preside over on a case that is entirely frivolous and would have been thrown out in any other context, in any other circumstance, ordering, prohibiting Trump from speaking about the corruption of his own judicial staff and now ordering summary fines against him and compelling him to speak and then summarizing and then doing more summary fines against him because he loves the power. I mean, that's what that little presentation, why the Holocaust Center is inviting a whack job judge is beyond me. It shows was, how it many, was, it so was many Holocaust ago. Centers have become a complete crock. The ADL has become a complete crock. They become an embarrassment to themselves. They, they do more damage to the issues related to the Holocaust than all the Holocaust deniers in the world combined. Nobody has done more damage to the Holocaust issues than the Anti-Defamation League. Nobody has defamed more the cause of issues related to anti-Semitism than the Anti-Defamation League. Robert, it's totally off topic and it'll be just a small parenthesis. They apparently removed Chaya Rachik, uh, libs of TikTok, from their glossary of extremists, the ADL did. I don't, I don't know if you, yeah. if you heard well, that. Well, in their, in their, their, their members and board subscribers are realizing that while they've been in bed with these radical lefty nutjobs, that all of a sudden they wake up and realize the person they're in bed with is a Hamas champion. And they're like, oh, moo, oops, maybe we made a little mistake. A little late now, ain't it? And that's the problem is how late are the courts going to be to salvage the reputation and credibility of the courts themselves? This problem has always existed. It's just usually they targeted politically marginal players. Now, it happened at the beginning of the country. With the founding of the country, you had judges weaponizing their power, going after their political opponents. It took the United States Senate impeaching the, the chief Supreme Court judge at the time to get them to back down and realize, oh, OK, maybe we shouldn't just abuse our power so rampantly in front of everybody. That would be uh, Supreme Court Justice Samuel Chase, who back then presided over trials, who was politically weaponizing the trial process, by the way, in New York to go after his political opponents, just like this case. We're back here all over again. And the question is, will the judiciary step in or will they be asleep at the wheel until the whole system crumbles? Will the Senate, I mean, credit to Senator J.D. Vance. Senator Vance said the D.C. judge should be impeached, that these gag orders are patently interference in an election, completely in excess of her power and a violation of her oath of office, and she should be impeached. There needs to be more calls for that. Our you know, new speaker of the House that showed some promise, first thing he was doing was uh, going up to kiss up to Sean Hannity and the deep state crowd, saying, don't worry, I didn't mean anything I said in opposed to funding to Ukraine. Uh, well, you know, rather than showing what a weak person he is uh, as the new speaker of the House, maybe he should take on these problems that are so dangerous that no one will believe in the credibility or integrity of the judicial branch or our constitutional government if this continues unabated. Because this is just, everybody's abusing their power. Every judge can't wait to abuse their power. Well, and they're, they're abusing in ways that the Supreme Court itself has said, you don't have this power of contempt. 
to do what they, this judge is doing. You don't have this power of gag orders or prior restraint to do what these judges are doing. You don't have this power to misuse bail in this way. You don't have the power to misuse criminal cases in this way. And yet they're not, uh, you don't have power to do selective prosecution in, in civil cases in this way. And yet they're allowing all of it to happen and they're not intervening. And they better intervene or the whole system's going to crumble right in front of us. Um, what was I going to say? I totally forgot what I was going to say. It doesn't matter. It'll come back in a second. $10,000 fine. He's going to appeal it. And they carry yep. on with this sham of a trial. Yep. Um, do we go on to the one in D.C. or do we go to the copyright case? And do we? Oh, the, the, that's the other Trump case. Now, this one is more interesting and more. This is the Supreme Court has taken up, but probably more likely because of the trademark connection than the Trump connection. And it uh, basically uh, uh, did you get a chance to review it? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, the, 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 somebody, I'll, I'll let you give the because well, I, I was familiar with the FC, uh, F-U-C-T case, the um, the other one there that had the, the it was an Asian word that was uh, problematic. What was the word that they were trying to trademark that they said was offensive? It had to do with um, it had something to do with Asians. I'll have to get it back. I'll, it'll come to me in a second. Uh, somebody's trying to trademark Trump too small and they got rejected on the basis that uh, it pertains to, a, it identifies a living person. And as such, the only person who can allow it is the living person or trademark it themselves. They're arguing that this then constitutes something of viewpoint discrimination, uh, viewpoint discrimination might not be the right word, um, but that it allows Trump to only authorize use that he approves of. So you're only gonna get good use of his name in a trademark. Um, and I think that's, well, you'll explain that you'll flesh out the legalities of it. I'm looking to the chat to see if they remember what the other one was. But the question I had was, why even, I, I'm not sure that I would have ever recognized that as being necessarily a direct reference to Trump, if they're going to use it in conjunction with an image, but Trump has a word. And it is almost an irony to saying Trump too small. It's to say almost that that with which you're trying to trump someone is too small to trump them. So I might not have in the ordinary run of things necessarily made that definitive connection. But what are the rules, Robert, in terms of trademarking something that makes a direct reference to a living person? I guess it has to be very distinct. Trump is distinct enough. Someone said David wouldn't work or Viva wouldn't work. It has to be distinct to the person living. But what's what's the law on that? Well, yeah, that's part of it is is whether it's a, a sufficiently distinct and unique mark that is subject to trademark protection. Then you have state law in which you have a right of both privacy and publicity. The right of public... Uh, it, your right of publicity controls the right to use your name for your own purpose. This is part of the issue in the Owen Troyer uh, civil case that we have for him about the person imitating him on Twitter is that he's uh, depriving Owen of his right of publicity. Uh, now, this guy's starting to go a little nuts because he found out we, we uh, obtained the process from Twitter to require Twitter to disclose his identity. And now he's going to be sued. So he's randomly emailing various people saying, you know, some, you know, threatening, whatever. Uh, he's, a, you know, clearly not the brightest bulb on the block. The uh, think somehow he can magically take the case to Chicago. It will stay in the Western District of Texas where Owen Troyer resides and where his right to publicity was violated. But there's an example of it. Now, Twitter, by the way, and a little side note, if Elon Musk wants Twitter to become a pay payment processor and a bank, make sure your people at least fixed so that paying subscribers don't have their accounts hacked and never get fixed. George Gammon had his account hacked two months ago. Mark Moss had his account hacked. They have been, they are paying subscribers to Twitter and Elon Musk. 
Twitter and Elon Musk keep giving him a robot runaround. They say, well, please fix this. And they're saying, no, this can't be fixed. And guess what they answer with? Please fix this. And they're like, no, that part can't be fixed. Please fix this. I mean, oh, it's it's a nightmare. Who on God's green earth, Elon, is going to use your payment, use Twitter as a payment processor or a bank when it's so easy to hack paying accounts as it speaks and you can't fix it? Uh, so you should fix George Gammon's account, fix uh, the uh, Mar- uh, the uh, uh, Mark-, Mark Moss's Gammon. account, and fix Owen Schroyer's account so that the fake guy isn't pretending to be Owen Schroyer. But the right of publicity has some restraint on state common law recognition of trademark. Then you have federal trademark. The federal Lanham Act, the federal trademark law, basically just gives you additional remedies. So it allows you to establish a rebuttable presumption in certain cases, an incontestable uh, uh, identification or ownership of a trademark in certain cases, uh, certain things like that. It, it's You don't have to have registered it to have a trademark. You just have added benefits if you do. However, our law has always rec- consistent with the right to privacy and right to publicity being owned by the living person. Uh, federal trademark law for more than a century has stated you can't trademark a living person's name without their consent or a president without their widow's consent or their consent, even if the president is dead. So, uh, And it includes you can't do their name, their portrait, their signature. I, any of those three, the somebody because the Trump's name was in on this, uh, the uh, the the it was challenged as whether or not it was subject to being copyrighted in the first place, given Trump hadn't consented to the use of it. Uh, and trademark is really all about use and source. So there's some question as to whether this is a fair application of the statute. It's not like anybody sees Trump too small and thinks that's Trump authorization or source. So there's an argument that it's outside the intended purpose of the trademark laws. But putting that aside, their argument was, I have a First Amendment right to make money off of Trump's name. And that's the problem, of course, with their claim. They got Deepak and that crew up there arguing this is a First Amendment issue. Problem is, it's not really. This isn't, he can say Trump too small all he wants. He's not allowed to make money off of Trump too small by claiming a copyright, and you, there is no First Amendment right to a copyright. There's a First Amendment right to speech. So I think the, the decision the Supreme Court should make is a decision they've been sitting on and not making now for the better part of a century, which is that whether or not you get a trademark protection on a viewpoint neutral law, right? That, as you're mentioning, some of those past cases were not viewpoint neutral as to what was going on, and that's a different dynamic. But as to the law itself, as to the preserving a right of privacy or publicity in a living individual and not extending monetary benefits to someone trying to usurp that right, I don't see that as a speech issue. That's a bad, that's a monetary financial government so benefits issue. The idea, just I was going to say this is the question. He can make money off it, but it can't be exclusive. Someone in the chat asked, well, then how yeah, can Yeah, 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 correct. You're right. How, exactly. how can we sell, we can sell merch with Trump's face on it. It's a public domain picture. Right, and it's not but if exclusive. someone else copies it, we can't sue them for it because we so, don't have any copyright in it. So that's, it's the difference between exercising uh, the, the monopolies provided by law versus competing with everybody and just uh, not owning any of those, not, not claiming any of those rights. Do you think they're going to uphold the dismissal? And by the way, it was called the slants. That was the Asian one where they their band was called the slants and it was rejected on the basis of obscenity. So it's kind of a different question. Do you think the refusal to you think the refusal to grant the trademark is going to stand? 
Yes. I, I think they're going to say that, as, uh, that it, except when they're actually deliberately viewpoint-based discrimination. They're saying, you know, this particular Redskins, we're not going to allow you to do for political reasons. That's a different animal. But we're recognizing the right to privacy or publicity in, in, in an individual and their right to monetize that is not a speech issue, in my opinion. It's no restriction on the person's speech at all. It's just a restriction on their ability to monopolize monetary benefit from it. And and your right to an access to a state benefit has never been confused with the right to speech. And so I think that ultimately that person will lose and they'll determine that you'll get to keep your right to your own likeness, Uh, that you can be the only person who can monopolize that. No one else can. All right, amazing. Now we're going to go over to Rumble, uh, leave YouTube, and we're going to talk about the other the other Trump case before we get into the other stuff. So everybody head over. We're going to see that number drop below 2,000, and I'll share the link. We're, no, the number's supposed to go down, not up, people. Come on over to Rumble. The link is there. It's in the pinned comment. If I didn't forget to do that, which I did, so link to Rumble here, and I'll pin it one more time so that everybody sees it. Oh, no. Okay, it's already, it's already pinned. All right, let's do it. And getting out and three, two, one. Booyah. All right, Robert. So the, the trademark, which was funny and interesting, uh, New York, uh, DC, we're going to go to DC for a bit. Well, okay. speaking of mistreatment, uh, oh. uh, the, and I'm glad one thing that's been a crash course for people on the right has been the abuse of the military industrial complex, the abuse of the existence and abuse of power by a deep state within our own government, the abuse of power by the the FBI and the NSA, the abuse of power by our justice system, and the abuse of power in the context of criminal defendants uh, and inmates. Things that, quite frankly, they didn't, too many of them didn't care about for too long. Our founders did. Our founding generation did. People who went through the Civil War did. Some people who went through World War I did. But too many people on the right were dismissive of inmate concerns, criminal defendant concerns, uh, civil rights concerns. And now that they've been the victim of that state power, they're starting to wake up to it. And many people are shocked that somebody like Owen Schroyer could be stuck in solitary confinement. It's for COVID, Robert. Now, well, Schroyer is going to work our way into that other lawsuit about inmate conditions. And not to say that I was, I was guilty of uh, not caring. I don't think I ever didn't care, but it's not something you really think about. And the tendency is to say, you know, FAFO, F around, find out, you'll go to jail, you'll be a criminal. Why would you get, um, you know, to play tennis on a sunny afternoon in jail? But the difference between that and not having rotten teeth removed from your mouth, as we'll get to in the other lawsuit, is one thing. And then you see when you've been maliciously prosecuted or, you know, abused by the system, hauled off for 60 days for speech. Somebody online was saying Schroyer wasn't, wasn't jailed for speech. It was for being present at the Capitol. I read through the, the, the charges. It was, among other things, for chanting 1776, which now has a very nefarious meaning. Um, <laughs> Vivek might want to be careful. So Schroyer is being hauled off. He was not granted bond pending the appeal of his 60 days in jail for speech, among other things. There might, you know, being on the Capitol, if you want to you know, parse hairs. He went off and Jack Posobiec, um, I want to say not the post-millennial, but uh, human events. The reporting that he was in solitary. And I, I was like skeptical. I was like, how the hell does he go into solitary? Was it a punishment? Did he COVID? 
There's apparently it's the COVID policy. I don't know how long he has to be in solitary for, but confirmed solitary for two, three days. Who the hell knows? And now people are saying, yeah, this is outrageous. Um, Robert, what, what types of prisons still have COVID isolation policies in effect? Or some people are saying there's always solitary policies in effect when you get to jail. Well, I mean, that that's part of the problem. So, you know, there is now decades of research that show uh, we basically torture inmates in America, that there's no other conclusion. So the I mean, uh, I've brought a lot of lawsuits challenging people that are in custody. Now, most of them were in jail. In other words, they were not convicted of any crime. They were simply charged with a crime um, or something else uh, or people that were institutionalized because of mental illness issues. And that their treatment in many of these mental institutions, in many of these jails, and in many of these prisons is barbarous and would be recognized as barbarous if anybody else in the rest of the world did it. And so uh, particularly if you can contrast to, say, Western Europe. Now, are there worse prisons and jails? Yes. Uh, but America's ranked toward the bottom half of the world, not toward the top ten. Even though we, unlike most other countries in the world, have an Eighth Amendment that prohibits cruel and unusual punishments. It's that Eighth Amendment that limits how the government can treat a person in their custody, whether in jail, whether in a mental institution, or whether in a prison. Now, sometimes what the Fourth Amendment or the Fifth Amendment or may apply rather than the Eighth Amendment, as the circumstances may be, but once you're a, uh, in the Bureau of Prisons, the Eighth Amendment applies indisputably and incontrovertibly. The Supreme Court has recognized that means you have a right to adequate food and adequate health care. To me, solitary confinement outside of extraordinary circumstances should never be allowed because it is a deprivation and denial of adequate health care, by definition. We now have massive amounts of data that isolation of the kind we do in solitary confinement, depriving people of social contact, depriving people of recreation, depriving people of interaction with other humans, depriving people of access to pretty much anything, uh, often depriving them of access to the outside world, often having the light on 24 hours, uh, often providing inadequate food, drives them insane, causes severe mental health problems. It doesn't help. It doesn't improve the quality of, uh, of custodial control. And so that's where outside of a circumstance where you have someone who is so uncontrollably violent that the only alternative to protect other inmates is their solitary confinement, should anyone be in solitary. And that's still not an excuse for, how, for why we have these cells that have 24 hours lights on, for why we have these cells with no view of anything, for why we have cells with no means of, of basic interaction of any kind. There's ways you could isolate someone without the mental torture aspect. Uh, I'll give an example. 25 years ago, the federal government did a study to determine whether images that remind parents of their kids uh, or visits with their kids that are inmates, what impact that had. And what they found is it had a very negative impact, that it, it constantly reinforced the parents' failure and caused them to get depressed, anxiety, and other mental health issues that led to violence and inner and, and custodial care control issues. So what do you think the federal government Bureau of Prisons did? They increased by tenfold the number of images they show of parents and children in federal prisons and jails just to torture them. That's who runs our prison system. 
people that, that you know, Stephen King's novel uh, that became the great the book uh, and movie uh, is representative of who runs our jails and prisons. It is not an exception. It is the norm. It is exceptional when you have a decent uh, style uh, prison guard or warden. That's unfortunately, there's they're understaffed. They bring in the bottom level people. Usually they're people that are sociopaths more often than not. Again, not all. I know there are people out there that work in the Bureau of Prisons that are good people. Not saying every single person is bad. I'm saying the system is, is designed to draw in some of the worst, particularly those in positions of power within the system. And it's, you know, this particular jail in Louisiana, where Owen Troyer is located, had mis mishandled COVID so bad that a bunch of people died. So their pr procedure really was punishment for anybody, for the prison inmates ever raising the complaint by just routinely sticking them in torture, which is what solitary confinement is, for days upon their arrival. And it shows you how barbaric our, our prison system is in America. In as much as I ever knew anything about it, you know, Jeremy McKenzie, Diagalon guy from Canada, was in solitary for upwards of two weeks. Uh, Tamara Lich, the Coots Four, sporadically just thrown into solitary. Uh, uh, Arthur Pavlovsky, the pastor, thrown into solitary. And the, the, the explanation for COVID, which, you know, makes absolutely no sense, period. But then it was just for behavioral issues, for, 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 for punishment and not to protect inmates from the most, like you say, the most violent of violence. Um, but Robert, the question was going to be this. Oh, the, the amendment, sorry. Fourth Amendment, just so everybody does this. Protection from unreasonable search and seizure. Fifth Amendment, self-incrimination. Eighth Amendment. And due process. And so and Fifth th Amendment sometimes applies in these contexts if the Eighth Amendment doesn't. And then the Eighth I mean, is the cruel and, cruel and unusual punishment. Correct. I mean, and, 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 and all the state actors are all, they're more and more creative at getting out of things. They're like, well, this isn't punishment yet. So we no longer, so now we can be cruel and unusual. I mean, this is some of the dumb logic some of our courts are accepting. And sadly, many of those are usually the conservative courts. They're always trying to find an excuse to cover up for corruption in police offices, prosecutorial offices, uh, and the military. Those are the three institutions they're happy to cover for, as well as corruption within religious institutions. Happy to cover for them, too. Our so-called originalist on the court, uh, in, the, in the court system. And the, the Wisconsin inmate class action is a classic example of this. The, 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 this, the examples of it, like I, people can easily and very, uh, uh, what's the word? Not cowardly, but rather just insensitively say, well, they're in prison. What do they expect? The, the, yeah, the, the, the sort example, of callousness that dehumanizes yeah, people because you, they're if, inmates. If you, want, if you want good treatment, don't don't break the law. And then, I mean, to some extent, good treatment is different than being denied medical. In One reality, guy has, yeah, what they don't understand is that uh, what you're really saying is not be good or you can suffer this. It's don't offend the powers that be or you won't suffer this because it's not the you're often in prison for reasons that have nothing to do with actual criminal behavior, sadly. So the Wisconsin, it's a class action complaint. I, I don't know if it's been authorized or what stage it's at, but it's inmates, each of which detailing all you know the, the representative plaintiffs um, talking about how rotten teeth not getting not getting treated and then when they're getting treated infections that are not getting treated uh you know uh, one one inmate with diabetes that had been under control for 15 years denied medical treatment and has all sorts of issues uh they're suing for all of the i mean eighth amendment I mean, violations every method available inadequate food inadequate medical care uh this is a, a wapen institution in wisconsin that's been on lockdown for almost a year 
It's like, why? They, they still can't explain why. And the, I can tell you why. They have inadequate staff. And it's a lot cheaper if you just stick everybody on lockdown. It mentally tortures everyone, deprives them of social contact, deprives them of recreation, deprives them of physical activity. They're also giving them inadequate food. They're often stuck with 24-hour lights on, often with no window access to anything. And, and they know the mental – and mo, many of these inmates are elderly. These aren't gangbangers in their 30s. This is some old guy caught on burg, you know, burglary charges in his 60s, right, from, from, from old sentencing regimes that had long sentences attached to crimes we know we no longer attach long sentences to. So you've got mostly a lot of elderly, most of the inmates that are suing are elderly. Elderly inmates not getting basic medical care, not getting basic food care, because the medical system is a complete... I've sued the Wisconsin system over and over again. It's a complete crock. They just don't fund it. Here, I'll, I'll, it's the I'll worst it. possible doctors, the worst possible medical care, you name it. The plaintiff Kenneth Dahlberg, 62-year-old inmate who suffers from degenerative joint disease, artificial implants in both shoulders, diabetic, continued heart disease. After diagnosis of heart disease, plaintiff Dahlberg was required to have coronary angioplasty and stents. Plaintiff Dahlberg was prescribed. I mean, it's, they don't say what he was in for, as if that might change anything. But these are the um, going. Yeah, the they, you have a bunch of old people with basic problems. I mean, we know that in almost all cases, outside of very select kind of crimes, uh, that o old inmates are extremely low risk of recidivism. That you know the that you know the compassionate release makes a lot more sense in many of these cases. Trump tried to expand the grounds of compassionate release in the federal system, uh, recognizing that us spending lots of money locking up uh, derelict old uh, criminal defendants, if they're in there for like drugs, they're in there for, you know, what you could call street crimes of like burglary, things like that. If they're not in there for a severely violent crime or a particular kind of sex crime, their, their risk of recidivism is very low and why they're still in there makes no sense. And then that they're being treated as worse than a dog would be treated, says something very bad about our uh, our Eighth Amendment enforcement in America. And just more people on the right are waking up to it as people like Owen Schroyer experience it. And they're like, what in the world is going on? Because they fancied that this only happened to the bad, mean, greedy, violent sickos. No, it often happens to the weakest and most vulnerable and most uh, inconsequential inmates. They really probably don't belong there in the first place, or at least not not at this point in time in their lives. And so that's uh, it's just being exposed on a bigger, broader scale to a new political audience that previously ignored it. But there's a reason why the Eighth Amendment existed. Our founding generation did experience this abuse of power. People who went through the Civil War did experience this abuse of power. People who went through parts of World War One and World War II experienced this abuse of power. This is why this law exists. It exists because you cannot trust this power to be used correctly in, in, in the hands of uh, the people it's given to. Robert, I, uh, first of all, people in the chat are saying, some are saying that my volume is low and others are saying it's just fine. So I don't know what would account for one person's computer having a different audio level, but I'm doing my best to get there. What is the situation? What percentage of prisons in the states are private? Does it make a difference, private versus public, in terms of the neglect? Uh, you know, need to maximize profit. What is unfortunately like? no. I mean, private prisons uh, introduce a different. Have had some more violent use, violent prison guards. That's been the only pattern I've seen so far. That they're more ruthless in putting down any questions or concerns or complaints, et cetera. But otherwise, I mean, the the core problem is taking being both safe 
and taking care of people adequately is an expensive proposition for the state to do. Mm -hmm. And that's why only people that are truly ongoing imminent threats to the community, in my view, mostly should be there. Some, you know, I believe in retribution to a point, but uh, the degree to which we use the prison system to do why tax people are in prison makes no sense to me. You know, you, you can make them pay a bunch of fines and punish them financially. They're, they're not an imminent threat to the community. Well, it, it would seem house arrest might be a better. Not to, I, uh, I'm just. It's what the rest of the world does. Well, uh, America's there with Russia and Iran. It's two of the only three of the only countries in the world that have substantial imprisonment sentences on tax issues. That 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 though that's not company to be in than in the company of. Uh, so I mean it's preposterous. Almost nobody in Western Europe does this. You know it's it's a bar. It's not effective. It doesn't work. Doesn't deter anything. Hasn't changed the tax gap. All the prosecutions in the past fifty years, including every time they escalate tax prosecutions, there's no change in the tax gap. The gap between the amount of money they say should be collected and they do collect. Right. And if you understand the nature of it, you know that that's never going to have that impact. So it's mostly it's, so it's a waste of money, these prosecutions and punishments, and it's counterproductive. A lot of, I mean, I had a case where a doctor was put in prison, a doctor that provided discounted care to people that needed it. All, all they did was make medical care more expensive in their local community. That, you know, that political hack of a judge, one of these Obama authoritarians the 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 left authoritarian judges they love to lock up the white collar folks that that that's their real favorite they you know the if you're a hardcore street gangbanger but you got a sob story they'll let you out easy if you're an ordinary everyday upstanding citizen who made one mistake uh or what the government decides to now call a mistake and can get you railroaded oh by golly you better go to prison for five years even if it means depriving the community of, of, of a necessary medical service I mean, they're all authoritarians. Doesn't matter whether they're left or right. 90% of judges are authoritarians. And it's even worse that they're more barbaric, the ones that run our jails and that run our prisons. And they're an embarrassment to a humane society. All right. Well, I, I don't know how that's going to segue into the next topic. I was thinking we might get to SBF, but let's do the uh, uh, the next one on the list, Robert, is um, social media, uh, government officials blocking people uh, on social media when they're posting from their private accounts, but posting government messages or uh, in their capacity of from their private accounts. The one that I read was, um, oh, geez, Louise, Robert, I'm going to forget the details now. Oh, well, there's two different ones. There's there's a, the the Supreme Court took both and is going to hear it on. on uh, so What's you can the, reference either one. One yeah, is the city manager okay, and the other it. one is, uh, forget who the other one is. Well, they're, they're, I think it was the city posting on their on their Facebook uh, everything they're doing, everything that they're doing in the city. Some parents apparently weren't too happy. Kept on. This is about know, COVID. This is like the COVID. Well, that's one of yeah. One is school board, I think, or school connected officials with parents commenting about issues related to the school system, as I recall. Yeah. The other then, one is a, a person who took his personal page, became city manager, so he made an, a, an official pages on Facebook for public figures, and uh, he didn't like people criticizing their COVID <laughs> policies. Uh, so they block them, and then the question is going to be... And uh, delete their comments so that they disappear from the public forum a, as if a, they never existed. Hey, so it's a great way to control the narrative. Look at this. I have no opposition. Everything I'm doing is perfect. Everybody loves it. Yeah, right. let's go to my Facebook pages. No, we're, we're having some of these cases come out of Canada. I'm fairly certain just recently... Uh, Stephen Gilbo was ordered to not block uh, members of the media. I have to go check the details on that. 
But it seems like that it's not a really a, a disputable element here that a, in your government capacity, you can't block private citizens. Is the question here the interplay between their private or their their personal accounts? Yes. And but then also, was this not already addressed in a lawsuit that Trump had faced? And then AOC yes. goes out and blocks people. So what's what's the question left for the court to answer? Well, what happened is uh, the there was a dissent in the Trump case, and the Seventh Circuit picked up, uh, or maybe it was the Sixth Circuit picked up on the dissent and decided to change the opinion on all this. So what the Sixth Circuit came in and said is, uh, it, it, that, that the question is, when are they acting as a state actor? Because you can only prohibit them from banning you and deleting your comments if it's a state actor. So what happens when you have a state official that is using their personal page to do it? And so, for example, and they're very uh, aware of this these days, uh, when Elizabeth Warren uh, and Congresswoman Hallen, now Interior mm -hmm. Secretary Hallen, decided to libel, libel the Covington kids, they used their official accounts to do it so they could claim immunity. They used their personal accounts in other capacities. So they're playing games with the idea that their personal account, they can get away with more uh, in certain places. They can block and delete. But in their public accounts, they can get away with libel. So that's the kind of game that they're playing. So what most of the courts have said is it really goes back to one of my favorite aspects of my favorite law school class, which was biz orgs, actually, uh, because it got into the construct of agency and authority and accountability. And one of my favorites is ostensible authority, apparent authority. When, an a when I, you know, I can be held liable for what, somebody else did even though they weren't actually my agent because i did something that led people to believe they were my agent so in in the state actor capacity what they've been saying is even if it's your personal account in other words even if it's not literally controlled by the government and it's not funded by the government if you're using it for a government purpose if if you're giving it the appearance through that it is a government page for which you have the authority as a government agent to do, and you use it like a public forum, uh, inviting constituent response, discussing public matters, then in those instances, uh, it, you, it can be you could be considered a state actor such that you can't ban or censor a conversation. If, on the other hand, you're not really doing that, it's truly your personal account, it's being used in the same way it was being used when you were not a public official. So such in cases like where you had the account before you became a public official, that the account doesn't describe your official position, but rather describes you personally, et cetera. Then the mere fact that you're a, a government official won't convert that personal account into a public account such that you can still limit public participation, limit comments, you know, delete comments, uh, block people from emailing or communicating on your page. But the Sixth Circuit said, no, all that matters is you have to prove this was done by the government, which means it either has to be funded by the government or directly controlled by the government. It has to be something directly authorized and only for the purposes of the government. Well, that would basically mean all the politicians could get away with setting up public forum, just disguising it just enough as a private account such that they can get all the benefits of a public forum, but none of the detriment. They can control the narrative. They can censor the narrative. They can delete comments they don't like. They can 
block comments they don't like. They can block users they don't like to create a fake impression of a public forum that it really isn't a public forum. And so that's where the Supreme Court's going to have to resolve this. I think the Supreme Court will go the totality of the circumstances guidance Mm -hmm. with a little bit more limits than they imposed in the Trump case. Because in the Trump case, he was he was using the account the way he always used it. He was just now president. It wasn't a case that he had really converted that into the presidential account. There was a separate account that was the presidential account. And I thought they were a little too liberal and loose in their application. But there, this other version is so tight as to create a loophole where the ordinary person will see someone acting. What they're really doing is they're saying you have to be the literal agent to go back to biz orgs. It doesn't matter if you're the apparent or ostensible agent. You have to be the actual agent in contract, in funding, in le- in legalized control. And we have ostensible agency principles for a reason, because to the person out there impacted by it, they think you're no different than the actual agent. And that's clearly the case in, in this one case, that city manager case. He was running that page as a city page. He be- It became he went from a personal account to a page by making it a public account about the city. Mm-hmm. He was posting things about the city. The person was responding to city policies, not about him. He wasn't tracking him down personally and harassing him on city policies. He was responding to city policies because the guy was saying, hey, look at my mayor's having a nice deal, nice meal. And this guy's like, in the pandemic, you're locking stuff down, you loser. What are you doing putting these pictures up? That's what he got blocked for. That's exactly what we shouldn't be allowed being blocked. So I hope, I think the Supreme Court will reject the Sixth Circuit standard but won't go as far as the second and the ninth circuit did carve out something that fits the principles of ostensible agency, use those principles we've established for corporate private liability, simply extend it to the state actor context. Now, let me ask you a question for no specific reason, Robert. Some platforms offer a mute function, which is not a block. So I don't have to see it if I don't want to unblock it, but other people get to see it. That would not, would that be violative even if it's done? No, yeah, because that's uh, not limiting the public forum. That's not prohibiting the person from communicating in the public forum. So that the, the mute probably would not, even by a government account, would not be problematic in all likelihood. I was, keep saying, it's, like, it's not because someone says something that I have to read. What's, what's next? They're going to like make me listen to what they have to say versus just having the right to say it. Right. It's very interesting. It's, uh, you, what you describe is, you know, ideally the way it, it, it makes total yeah. logical sense. We, we want to protect the robustness and transparency of public forums. That's really what the First Amendment is here for in this context. So when they're really setting up something as a public forum, treat it as such. When they're not really doing so, act accordingly. Trump wasn't really creating a public forum on his Twitter account. He was mostly doing something that was for his personal campaign and political benefit outside of his uh, – and he was doing stuff also for personal business and other purposes – so it should not have been so easily considered to be unilaterally and universally uh, a, a public account. Uh, the, there were aspects of it that you could argue at certain contexts. Maybe it could be used in certain instances, but not in every case, in every instance, like the Second Circuit decided. But nor should we say just because it's a personal account, now everybody, now every politician can block people, even if they effectively create public forums in the process. Now, before we get to the Ponzi scheme, Robert, I've noticed I haven't done uh, the Rumble France. There's not very many yet. I'm going to read this very quickly. V6 Neon says, suggest a YouTube channel. Mahiar Tusi TV, he is covering and sifting through the news. Jihadis taking over Russian airport, going after planes from Israel. Jihadis threatening hotel, send of the Jews. Uh, then we got to dangle, what does that say? Dangling, dangling 
Partiple? Oh, here we go. Soviet show trials are here in the United States. I weep for the country. That is nothing more than a dead, bloated, rotting sow. Dangling participle says, I see you quote historical judicial judgments, but as we the judici- as the judiciary loses the grasp of history by activists, aren't we just spinning our wheels and waxing for the ways things were done? And last one, I appreciate your efforts, but the game is lost. It is not lost yet. That's my interjection. Perhaps if we awake... 20 years ago, if we had awakened 20 years ago, it might have been made a difference. But the Soviet, uh, but as the Soviet to factor, who I don't remember his name, we're on level six. Yeah, that was a Solnitsyn, Solnitsyn. All right, Robert, the banks are the, 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 the itty bitty banks that, you know, Leticia James in New York is trying to protect because they didn't get the they didn't get the best interest rate they could have gotten out of Trump had he not overvalued his assets. The poor banks. Uh, Wells Fargo is uh, I, what are they? They agreed to pay three billion dollars. For participating or their 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 participation in a Ponzi scheme in it was involving something called Build Better. I forget what yeah, the equity uh, build. Equity build. I, I, so uh, it's they they basically warranted uh not sanctioned but they basically gave the blessing made warranties and representations for the legitimate business structure of a Ponzi scheme that they were that they were banking they were financing they were participating in. They there was a class action from about a year ago. They, they settled on $3 billion uh, payment, and then what you had sent me, Robert, to read was the authorization for legal fees to authorize um, what, other, what other payments in, that, the, that required the court authorization. Oh, because there'll be additional attorney's fees on, on top of that as part of the class action settlement resolution. And sometimes these class actions are really just done for the lawyers to get fees. Uh, but this was actual real money rather than you know coupons or that kind of thing that's the big scam in the class action world. Where they say, well, we're going to value these coupons as like $20 million, and that justifies a $4 million legal fee. And then you realize the coupon is going to be worth like a hundred grand. Um, and, and really, it's a bribe to the lawyers to dump the case. So, but in this instance, what it revealed, you have to have actual knowledge of the, the bank. And that's the hard part in proving aiding and abetting fraud. What everybody knows is these frauds never could happen without the banks. They need bank. You need a banking account to transfer to. You need a banking account to do the transaction. You need a banking account to look legitimate. And particularly the bigger the institutional bank, the more likely it is you'll lend that credibility. Also, the more likely it is they'll be in bed with the fraudsters because all they care about is their fees. And I mean, that's why so many banks, I think it's now we're up to third, fourth bank. It's written a big check in the Jeffrey Epstein connected cases. Why do you think that is, right? You know, it's because they were neck deep in Epstein's activity. Epstein got them involved in it. Let, let me play devil's advocate. I mean, quite literally for the banks. A lot of people are going to say they deal with thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of clients. And they're supposed to know their client and, you know, know. A law firm, you open up your account, they see money's going in and out. And I would not expect or even want the bank to be saying, hey, that was a big transfer that you oh, just had. And, and I agree with that. And that's where you have to prove actual knowledge of the underlying fraud. So this is the aiding and abetting liability in the bank context for these various financial frauds and Ponzi's are generally very difficult to prove. So if you ever see them writing a check in a case, that means that there was evidence there that they did something. $3 billion. I mean, I didn't realize that Wells Fargo had such a bad reputation, had been sanctioned repeatedly. I've sued Wells Fargo a few times. (laughs) So I I learned that. Um, So they settled for $3.6 billion and they got a million, what was it, a million dollars in legal fees? It didn't sound like Yeah, the legal fees were were reasonable in the context. I mean, what what, what it is is these banks are often 
because these people, these Ponzi schemers, promote themselves as access to investment banking services and private banking services for high-end clientele. And that's how the you get so many of these. And really what it is is the Ponzi schemer wants access to those people. And so does the bank. And that's where the bank often becomes complicit in the scam. And they often have actual knowledge. They're often given warnings specifically by complaining clients or customers. And they ignore them and often go to greater lengths to hide uh, that evidence because often the, the executive involved, his entire job and pay is based on maybe just that account. I mean, that, that, you know, how did Epstein get away with it? The leading banks of the world were neck deep with him in it. Why? If you take the most innocent version of explanations, not that it's innocent, but more innocent than the alternative explanation of why the banks might be complicit, uh, like the banks themselves would love to be involved in the extortion and bank extortion business. Uh, but putting that aside, it's because Epstein brought them high-end customer-client connections. And consequently, and, that, and that's their real bread and butter in, in for many of these high-ranking bank executives. And they go to great lengths to cover for these guys. But uh, the, the, other, the key thing with almost major criminal operations anywhere in the world is despite the efforts to target crypto, despite the efforts to target cash, the reality is almost no major fraud or scam could happen in the world nor most major crimes happen in the world without the culpability and often the complicity of our leading global financial institutions. Luke Rudkowski put out a funny meme the other day and it said they would quite literally, they will quite literally blow up the world before letting us know who was on Epstein's client list. Yeah. Uh, for though, I mean, I, we can't get into it. We've done it a number of times. Excuse me, I'm choking on my own tongue here. Uh, who, who do you think the connection to Mossad was in the relationship between Ghislaine Maxwell and Epstein? Was it Epstein or was it Ghislaine who had the connections? Uh, oh, I mean, to- uh, that Maxwell was connected to everybody. So Robert Maxwell escaped Europe early on, and he ended up with connection. I mean, there's allegations that he was connected to all sides during World War II. But putting that aside, there's no dispute post-World War II he had ties to MI6, the CIA, the Mossad and the KGB. That's how he was able to do the, a lot. He did a lot of deals in Eastern Central Europe during the, during the Cold War era. Uh, that wasn't a coincidence. The, uh, so the, I mean, there were some allegations that the Mossad entrapped him the other way around, uh, but there was no doubt he was working for pretty, he had his hand in every till that could be out there. He was working for all the Intel services at one time or another. Uh, the and so and Ghislaine Maxwell presumably inherited those. There's no doubt of Epstein's connections to Mossad. Uh, there's there's not a lot of doubt of his connections to the CIA based on internal FBI documentation that listed him as an intelligence source as the reason not to pursue him in 2008 and give him a sweetheart deal. Um, you know, Dershowitz kind of accidentally let this out. I, don't, I still don't think he's put it together. Dershowitz said he was introduced to Epstein. Uh, by someone from the Rothschild family. So the I was like, hmm, Rothschilds, bankers, Mossad, Epstein, sex scandal. The I was like, I wonder if they were actually kind of uh, putting Dershowitz in a deliberate position to try to see if they could have blackmail on Dershowitz. The, unfortunately, it, it, the allegations against him turned out totally false. We predicted that. If you know, if you know Dershowitz, it doesn't fit the DNA at all. Well, pe- people think that the underwear... It was like Ralph Nader. 
I mean, well, they're obsessed with Ralph Nader, and, and they kept sending prostitutes to him in the wrong places. I was like, you know, send a prostitute to the library. Then you might be able to seduce him and sucker him. But, you know, at a random place, Ralph Nader, he's like, what? Uh, totally uninterested. What are Look, you talking about? And it's not to defend Dershowitz. I mean, the, the whole thing about his underwear and the massage was in Florida. It wasn't on Epstein's Island. And right. Um, but Maxwell lived a long life. He, I'm just looking this up now. He was, well, long, uh, 70, 68. So not that long. Robert Maxwell. Well, well, I mean, he, he expected to live longer. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> fell, but, fell know, off the boat, fell off the boat that he named that boat, right in the middle but, of the scale. He got caught stealing from people's pension funds. And they, he named but the boat. Presumably at, he, named, he was going to implicate some powerful people to get himself out of that. And they said, Hey, uh, does the water look good out there? <laughs> That's not an alligator you're looking at. Oh, so all that to bring that back to Epstein. The idea was that Epstein, you know, might have had dirt on people, and and we still don't know who the client list is. But they'll apparently they will apparently bring the world to war before letting us know who the clients were not on that trafficking that seems to have had no oh, clients. Speaking of missing client list and donor list, a certain SBF is on trial, but not on trial for who he funneled a lot of that money to. Well, that's Robert. That's the question I'm going to ask you. So first, we're going to back this all the way up to the beginning. I see a dog. She's. I see she's getting ready to do something in my office. Uh, he's on trial. It's like the trial is is so not receiving the attention it probably warrants. Oh, that's terrible. Have you <laughs> do, seen the Epstein uh, meme in our uh, in our locals live chat? Is it a? Um, hold on. Let me go up here. Um, is it the? Is it no? Not Magic Island. The airplane looks like a cartoon. No, it's the two cats. Okay, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess everyone who wants to see that in the ah. Rumble chat is going to have to go over to go over to vivabarnslaw.locals.com. Holy crap. Okay, so the SBF trial is ongoing now. SBF testified on Friday. Robert, what does provisional testimony not in front of the jury mean? I didn't understand that reading up on this. I'm not a fan of those. Uh, they went ahead and gambled with it, the defense lawyers. This judge is a political hack of a judge. I'm not a fan of this judge at all. He's been a political hack in many cases. The uh, And so what he said was he was unsure if a lot of the testimony of Sam Bankman-Fried would be relevant, and he, he didn't want to have to sit there and object and instruct the jury throughout the whole testimony, discard this, discard that. So he said, I'm going to sneak preview. I'm not a fan of sneak previews. I've never been a fan of sneak previews. Now, the defense lawyers might have been okay with this because they thought, hey, we get to do a test run and seeing what the prosecutors ask them without the jury being there so we can help prep them for actually. So they may have thought, given the unique personality of Sam Bakeman fried that he needs Adderall to even think, according to him, um, that the uh, uh, that, that may have made sense. Well, hold on. Let, let me see. if I, Can I bring this up here? I, I, I had this. Do we see this? Yeah, yeah, let's let's see if I think this might be the video that I was looking for. You know, he'd never been on TV. He goes on TV in his cargo shorts and his messy hair, and he's playing video games while he's ah, on okay, the air. So someone, he's here. playing video games. Oh, they're the talking you would over think it. Your first television appearance, you might be a little okay. Forget you know, that's I... the big short guy who's kind of a defender of Sam Bankman Freed, <sighs> or at least he came across that way, which was interesting. So the uh, so yeah, so I'm not a fan of that protocol, but sometimes in select cases, you may think it would be better for you to do it. I could see his defense team thinking in his case that because he, he comes across as somebody who may be very egotistical, may lose focus, may say things in a snide way. Uh, and here you got to see a sneak peek of what the prosecutors were going to ask, how they were going to ask it, where it would go. 
ultimately the judge the judge couldn't prevent him from testifying uh so it was all just about how testimony would be presented and uh so ultimately he did testify but the judge was is such an arrogant judge he acted like maybe he could somehow which is preposterous criminal case you can't stop a defendant from testifying on his own behalf that just guarantees a reversal on appeal even our nitwit cowardice courts can understand that and so uh but it's interesting defense. He's got two lines of defense. One is it was mistakes, not fraud. I've tried that defense before, various degrees. <laughs> but if that mistake is so fundamental, like not having what was the what's the term a risk exposure or um, oh, well, try not to have fancy things. That's one thing. So the uh, I had a client that that was the uh, uh, I think the local media reports said that the, the, according to Barnes the. He wasn't a Ponzi fraudster. He was an honest dreamer uh, that uh, where the dream went up, <laughs> so on and so forth. So the uh, uh, that was a tough case. That was a tough case. The uh, we ended up getting a good disposition out of the case because the judge was so scared I was going to win the case because it wasn't long after the Snipes case that he secretly communicated to the jury ex parte. The clerks and the bailiffs and the marshals were all in on it, hid it from me. He panicked uh, after the jury came back that the jury might tell me, so he disclosed it himself. Uh, and they called this judge the hanging judge, and he cut the sentence to less than what the plea bargain was proposed to try to minimize the chance he would get reversed on appeal for such illegal, unethical conduct. Uh, it was ironic. I had such an ethical jury. They took extra time on the on one on the one count the judge was trying to inf thought would be the easiest to convict, and they acquitted him on that count. Uh, but yeah, as a general rule, if you want to do the honest dreamer, just mistakes defense, it's better if you don't have fancy homes. That by that particular client had like Lamborghinis and Ferraris and a lot of other things. So you know, went to but, Vegas, spent a lot Robert, of money there. Were they leased through the company? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. All, all well, then bought, that's then that's fine. That's... All of it was bought by other people's <laughs> money. The uh, but yeah, the so Sam Bankman's got a combo defense: mistakes, not fraud, with an overarching narrative of this was a fly-by-night. We were building the plane while we were flying it. It's cryptocurrencies. It's all crazy. It was going so fast. Speed and scale was too big. Should have had a bunch better risk management people, but I never thought we were going to be successful anyway. Uh, line of defense. The second line, which by the way, it's smart to embrace the mistakes part. An arrogant defense would be like that idiot uh, lawyer defending uh, Jeffrey Skilling in the Enron case who said in his opening line, I told people as soon as I heard this, I said that he's done. He's probably not guilty, but he's convicted right now because his own lawyer got up and said, this isn't a case of see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. This is a case of there was no evil at Enron. It's like nobody's going to believe that, you nitwit. And he just hung his client. He, he had no Daniel Petricelli. He had no business defending a criminal case. First ever criminal case. And it's that one. He got his client hung, you know, basically prison for life. And he was probably innocent of the charges against him because that, that's how just arrogant and nitwit that guy is. You know, he convicted O.J. in a civil proceeding in front of an all-white racist jury that couldn't wait to lynch O.J. after the criminal case. And then they were, oh, what a genius lawyer he is. Oh, it turns out the West Side is a bunch of racists. I'm totally shocked. The, uh, uh, you know, unbelievable. But the, but so the smart defense here, he admits the mistakes, a bunch of mistakes. Should have had a bunch of risk management in place. Did It was too big, too fast. I was a kid way over my head. Smart, you know, play to the weird math nerd kid over your head defense. The second part is, man, I had a bunch of lawyers around and I assumed it was all legal. So now 
the problem has, with the lawyer reliance he, defense is he doesn't have a strict reliance defense. A strict reliance defense requires that you, in good faith, produce all pertinent facts to a lawyer that you then get the opinion from. If you withhold any facts or if the opinion doesn't concern the subject matter at issue, you no longer have a reliance defense. So it plays more broadly into a generic good faith defense, which is, hey, I thought what I was doing in good faith because I had a bunch of lawyers around. Not a, not a technical reliance defense because, as the prosecutors pointed out, he had no specific opinions on any of these subjects. He had opinions on what he did is he gave it out by piecemeal, right? So he has lawyers writing the terms of service. He has lawyers determining the economic underlying structure of the transactions for taxation purposes. Very different from the legality purposes of the underlying transaction. Um, and so, for example, treating the different aspects as loans rather than dividends or income earned to them, it was solely a tax advantage structure that was done. Smart, smart one, by the way. However, his dad, by the way, is a big tax lawyer. And his dad was neck deep in all this. Stanford. His mom, by the way, where, where a lot of the money was going, for those folks that don't know, was for his mom running a bunch of NGOs that were out there promoting the 2020 election fraud. I mean, the, that were that were doing the election fraud. Sam, the secret of all this is Sam Bankman Freed was the money bags for a huge election fraud in 2020. And all of that's been hidden because of how they structured his extradition from the Bahamas. And this is an article from NPR. We talked about this at the time. It's not just FTX Sam Bankman-Fried. His parents also face legal trouble. Yet somehow not yet. Not somehow yet. Somehow not in any Joseph Bankman-Fried, they taught law at Stanford. Bankman is, according to his biography, a leading scholar in United States tax policy. We talked about this at the time. They devised the plans. And then what it was it? It was called Bridge the Gap, I think, or um, True the Gap. What was the name of yeah, the mother? Yeah, through the gap. So I mean, raised... she was she was in charge of all these underlying NGOs that were involved in election fornication in 2020. I mean, that's the little secret from from behind all of this. And he was such a brazen scam artist, and he got sideways with other people in the crypto community. So they exposed and ratted him out that he was in fact funding his entire investment operation with his clients' customer accounts, deposit accounts. His excuse for that is twofold. One, he's like, okay, all these ex-employees have testified against him. He's like, they were doing things I didn't know they were doing, and they're just trying to shift all the blame onto me for stuff they were doing that they never even told me about. His other argument, because he says they were technically not as competent and capable as they were pretending they were. That was a smart defense. Like, he doesn't go full throttle. There's a tendency to want to go all bad, all good, find the nuanced truth and hammer that. The one myth out there is that as a defense lawyer, you come up with a fraudulent defense to win. That's no, you you find the truth that sets your client free. Sometimes the jury's willing to accept the moral truth of that. Sometimes they're not. Like you might be legally and factually true and the jury not care from a moral narrative perspective. So somebody doesn't pay their payroll taxes. They and throughout the history of the country, they've always gone to prison if they're if they're prosecuted, even if they have a complete legal and factual defense. Juries just don't care because they think you stole from mama's Medicare. That's not what's going on, but you know that's what they think. And so the, the, the same could be true here. So this case comes down to jury selection, but he does have a better defense than had been previously presented by the press because he's laying out lawyers approved the loans, lawyers approved the terms of service. My understanding of the terms of service is that this allowed these loans to be made from deposit accounts to this. My understanding is that's how banks operate. Kind of interesting uh, 
point there mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, all banks are criminal operations that are, uh, in America writ large. I mean, dig into it. But the uh, we just catch them in some of their more egregious crimes on a random basis. But so he's playing into some and, and playing into an easy caricature of him and playing into a believable image of the witnesses who testified against him such that the jurors could believe those witnesses to a degree and still believe he's not guilty of any criminal fraudulent intent, because that's the key issue in the trial. The, the limitation he has is he lived a very nice life during this time period. It was other people's money he was playing with. A bunch of employee ex-employees are pointing the finger at him. A bunch of money was lost. Well, but, and so he was living on fancy homes in the island. That's the his hurdle. What are you doing here, dog? Get out of here. Forget the money that was that he spent on his, his properties. I mean, they can get that back. They're going to track down the money. Now, the mother's uh, true well, the gap. that's part of his defense, by the way. How quickly he cooperated, how quickly he turned over the assets, how quickly he volunteered everything. His Bahamian lawyer testified on his behalf. So that was – but they're really anchoring on him, which is a heck of a gamble with a guy who's been so up and down and – in his personality and his public image. But where did the money go? Like they're going to have to account for where the money went. It went to various. Uh, well, almost all of that's been excluded from the trial due to the Nate and the indictment due to the sweetheart deal. They cut with him and implicitly by extradition by only extra. They rushed. Now I clear, it's clear to me why they rushed to extradite him. Cause I was like, why are they rushing to extradite this politically protected guy? Who's buddies with the sec, who whose family, whose funds helped elect Joe Biden president. Why are they doing that? It was to keep control over where the case might go. That the by extraditing them quickly on just the fraud charges, when they brought the illegal campaign contribution charges, they had to dismiss those because under extradition, the rule of specialty, they, they didn't negotiate them into the extradition it, before they extradited. It had to be in there. Otherwise, it's dismissed. No personal jurisdiction for those charges, nor did they ever try to. And you can't renew them. So Robert, they rushed the arrest and extradition to make sure nobody would ever hear or see what the scam was really all about. When you say rushed, is it rushed? Sorry, is it rushed or is it rushed? And this was all part of the scheme to ensure that those charges were not brought at the oh, time. It was definitely all part of the scheme. I mean, he wasn't he doesn't benefit from this because he faces federal prison for a long time. But the system did. And it was once it was out that this guy was a scam artist. They were afraid that some other prosecutor randomly, some state prosecutor, somebody else would go after him in ways that would go to the issues of how he was the fundraising tool for the Biden campaign of 2020, the underlying Biden campaign, the get out, the get out the vote campaign, get those dead people out, get those people voting who didn't know they were voting, get those felons voting, getting those kids voting, uh, you know, all of that. That machine was heavily funded by his source of funds. And so you had to keep a lid on that, at least through 2024. How do you do that? You say, we're going to do justice and make sure we get Sam Bankman freed. And, right, and we're going to move to extradite him immediately and arrest him immediately hmm. uh, on these horrendous fraud charges. And then, oh, golly gee, we can't bring these other charges? Wow, wow. We tried, but, you know. But didn't work out. Uh, I like I, I'm going back to what you said during one of the bourbon with Barnes's last week where you're like, you know, you're always living a life as though you're tr they are trying to screw you at every step of the way. Who would be the one to object to this level of screwery in this particular circumstance? There's it's, nobody because there's it benefits, nobody it benefits him benefits the government. Well, I'm just that was a black pill suppository that I was not expecting for the evening, Robert. Thank you. If and when, is there any chance of getting the financials just to show where the oh, monies went? Yeah, yeah. Well, the, that's already happening separately with the receiver. So okay. the receiver is getting all that money through the bankruptcy process. They control all of that. 
So the, 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 the loudest, the people that know the system will get repaid. The people that don't know the system, that don't have sophisticated counsel, will be the ones that get stiffed. Phenomenal. It's good to, it's rich or poor, it's good to be rich and it's good to be politically connected. Well, right. yo, Mel Brooks, <laughs> it's good to be the king. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, well, the, Robert, the Baltimore, do we go to the Baltimore prosecutor trial? Uh, speaking, I mean, this is another classic <laughs> Spe- case. Speaking of, little, of corruption. <laughs> yeah, it is a template in microcosm of corruption. Now, I, I, I look, I read it. I, I was learning from scratch. I didn't know the names and I know that there's bigger, there's some bigger stuff at play in this case. Other than the fact that, um, you know, you have a Baltimore prosecutor not paying attention to the crimes of Baltimore, uh, but, you know, paying attention to other stuff, I was a little bit lost because there was too much to catch up on. What's the situation? I I know the name means something to somebody who's been paying attention. I haven't to this. Who's the name? So this is the Baltimore prosecutor who brought the Freddie Gray prosecution, right? Was one of the first early blame the cops for the deaths of of some of these in these these cases that were not, in my uh, my view, the most legitimate cases, right? Whether you're talking about George Floyd, you're talking about Michael Brown, you're talking about uh, the, the case in Florida that involved a private individual, but you had this line of cases that were big BLM cases. What's the one of them Gray, was Freddie Gray was the one who got shot through the spine? No, I think it was the one who was in the back of the bus who got bumped, but they got the 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 old van ride they like okay. to give them, and and end up dead. Uh, but wanted to blame all the cops, and it was clearly an excessive prosecution. But she was one of the early Soros prosecutors. But who and what she is, like the show The Wire is all about Baltimore. The Baltimore press, the Baltimore politicians, the Baltimore police, and the Baltimore crime scene. And the show The Wire is great uh, at, at doing all this. I, I, was, I, I used to quote The Wire a lot, and then I realized this quote could get misconstrued down the road. The because uh, it was it was a line about how you can abuse power with fake wires, like you claim you got something on a, a well, you, you uh, with a real wire but a fake informant. You claim your informant is the source to cover up for illegal surveillance. I've caught this happening in real time in several cases of mine, uh, where they were saying that this informant had magically all this information, and we would figure out mm, this has to be illegal surveillance that they're disguising as coming from an informant. It's one of the favorite things police love to do. And because they have to keep it absolutely super duper secret uh, who their informant is, uh, then that's why uh, they get to hide the fact that never was an informant and they were just illegally spying on people. So the they even had cooked up stories years ago, local sheriffs and cops and police and others that were using the DEA's system of illegal surveillance on vehicles. And they would come up with totally fake stories to get warrants, arrests, and convictions. Almost nothing was done with it by the court system. The court system just pushed it aside like it didn't exist when the scandal broke, The uh, despite inmates starting to raise the issue because they're an unsympathetic group to, to raise the issue. So that's who she is, one of the early Soros prosecutors. You're going to see a template in what she's about and how all these people operate in the charges brought against her. So she's the prosecutor. She was married to an up-and-coming Baltimore city politician, city council member, they were going to be part of, they're connected to the Kamala Harris political machine. And you can see how her brain thinks. And not only these, these politically motivated prosecutions try to get everybody out on a petition, uh, norm, uh, quorum nobis, I think it was called, uh, to uh, on pot charges before marijuana got. So very political. Uh, wasn't go, the murder oh, rate. Was, so hold on. When she let everybody out on the pot charges, it was a, it was a, it was a, 
purely a gesture because it was going to be legalized or decriminalized a year later. Okay, yeah. now I can understand it, what I read. That's okay. who she is. So, so she was an early Soros prosecutor, uh, politically choosing certain prosecutions, politically choosing not to pursue other ones, uh, in such an to remake the prosecutor prosecutor's office into a tool to rewrite the law, to basically make it easier to be a street level criminal, uh, to protect street level criminality. This was the net effect of all of her con combined laws. Uh, in terms of who she was letting out, who she was not prosecuting, and who she was. If you aggressively prosecute police in marginal cases of police abuse, the police stop aggressively policing those communities. And the criminal element gets more power, gets more leverage. And this has been known since late 60s, early 70s. She was doing, and Soros' plan everywhere has been to do that. You can give different expect. You can give him the generous interpretation that he thinks this is an excess of criminal incarceration and so forth. Or in my view, the more likely explanation that it's a nefarious agenda to create more chaos, to destroy national governments and boundaries because he believes in the international elite should govern the world. Robert, if I may just, I'm just, I, I, I hate to make these observations because I don't like reducing anybody to identity. This is the, this is the prosecutor, uh, Marilyn Mosby. Yep. Uh, Soros is funding Alvin Bragg direct, indirectly through Colors for Change, I think is what it's called. He's funding Kim um, Gardner. Was it Gardner? Or was it, no. Um, who was the, the Atlanta one? prosecutor? Uh, I, I, I mean, I, I hate to you know uh, make an observation as to what connects the three that he, ones we can name offhand. I don't know if he's if he's also financing directly or indirectly Latisa James. Is he is he exploiting? Yeah, I mean, I think he has ties to her. So the yeah, and, and and he wants identity politics as part of this. So she gets in there. She's married. She's part of the rising couple, part of the Kamala Harris machine, political machine, uh, part of that sort of black upper middle professional managerial class cashing in on government, politically manipulating government for the purposes of their donor, uh, uh, who they really serve. They don't really serve the interest. The old black professional managerial class was forced by segregation to be deeply aligned with the interest, needs, and awareness of the black working class. Because if you're a black doctor, who you're, your customer base during segregation is just black working and middle class. Same with uh, black lawyers, black professionals, black dentists, black chiropractors. They, and you're disproportionately, if you were black policemen, black firemen in those communities, et cetera. You are deeply connected to those communities. Black preachers always have been because that's the nature of their community for the most part. Uh, that's somewhat changed in the past 10, 20 years, but not as drastically as it has for the rest of the black professional class. The black professional class has been able to segregate itself, separate itself from the black working class. That's what integration afforded. That was the kind of accidental uh, side effect, the adverse side effect that King recognized in 67 and 68 before he was killed. It's like, oh, civil rights is not going to solve the problem of the black poor and the black working class. In fact, Vietnam is more of a threat to the black poor and the black working class man in many respects than the white sheriff was. And that's why he was shifting. And, and that not, once he realized economics was at the core of things and the military industrial complex at core of things, all of a sudden they kill him, of course. They don't kill him when he's just doing civil rights. No, they don't kill him when he's doing I have a dream. They kill him when he starts translating that to a whole different power structure. The, but the black, she's symbolic of this because how does she see her office? Well, she's cashing in. I mean, what's she in trouble for now? Now, what, I'll get into what she's really in trouble for in a second. But legally, what she's in trouble for 
is she borrowed from her own 401k uh, and retirement fund, which she could only legally borrow from if she had suffered a recent adverse financial event. And just so people understand that you're borrowing from your retirement fund, which you get to then cash out tax-free later on. But if you can borrow in advance, I, I don't know what the requirements are, but show an adverse life circumstance. I need the money now. I might not make it there. Correct. There's certain adverse financial consequences, exceptions that allows that money to be tax free effectively. Okay. The uh, that she has to show. The second is when you apply for mortgages, you have to disclose whether there's any tax liens out there because that could jeopardize the ability to get the mortgage. Um, now, these are some of the weaker charges to a certain degree because there was a lot of other corruption scandals rumored around her. She was making close to a quarter of a million. She claimed during COVID she suffered adverse financial consequences. She actually got a raise. Uh, the, the, and she in, was using in, it to buy in, properties in Florida and then wasn't disclosing things on those loans. Well, so, it, hold on. In fairness, her raise was uh, not say only, but her raise was $10,000 on yeah. a quarter of a million. So she got a raise. She's buying investment properties in Florida. That she's what? disguising as uh, prime <laughs> real estate as her own primary residence, which it couldn't be because she's a legal official, political elected official in Baltimore. <sighs> the, a little publication called Baltimore Brew. Uh, it shows the power of ordinary people think, ah, oh, you can't make a difference, et cetera. Little, one of these little random community publications of some little local uh, uh, re-investigators, grassroots investigators, your Tracy Beanses of the world, uh, your Julie Kellys of the world, uh, sitting there doing it. And they just started connecting. Hey, this is kind of weird. Look at how our county prosecutor is setting up all these entities that are involved in all these real estate deals and in a bunch of different states. This seems kind of odd for the county prosecutor. That's what led to everything being undisclosed, that she was involved in all this illicit fund. Now, where she's getting the money and all to buy millions of dollars of real estate in Florida. and to be, But this is how people like this think, that the whole system is here to enrich me as long as I serve the interest of the donor, con donor class. Not here to serve my constituents' interest. I'm not here to help the black community. It's all an extended grift. It's like what what's his name just got caught doing at uh, Harvard or, or Cornell, wherever it was he was at, um, where the uh, what's his name, the famous founder of a lot, a lot of the woke black. It turned out he was using the funds to fund like his brother's bogus charity to help do some other. I mean, this is the, and BLM, of course, itself, massive grift. It was just one big real estate grift fraud. I mean, but if you understand, this is an old scam. Right. I mean, Nick Fuentes is the right wing version of the race grifter fraud scam artist. There's a bunch of them are cashing in right now that Israel's hot. You know, like the uh, you know, if we really if we no, wanted to get like I a say, flood of super chats, all I'd have to do is start insulting the uh, one side or the other of that. And they would start sending in all the you know, so, uh, uh, you know, the uh, uh, former sidebar guest uh, I still like uh, 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 Jackson Hinkle. Jackson Hinkle uh, he, he's doing the full scale Palestinian grip. I mean, I'll give him credit. Kid, kid, kid needs some cash. He's a smart kid, nice kid, in a lot of ways. But the Palestinian grip is so over the top. It's like, dude, like I mean, you know, he, he, even at least Rakeda acknowledges he's the master grifter. The uh, if you're gonna grift, you know, at least at least give a few bonus points out there. But she, that's what she thinks. She sees the whole political system as one big grift, and so uh, she gets caught. Now she's getting prosecuted for perjury and mortgage fraud and all this other stuff. But the question is really, why is she getting prosecuted for all of this? The backstory is she separates from her husband, ends up divorced from her husband, ended up on the wrong side of internal black grifter politics in Baltimore. And so those types outed her to the other, outed her to the feds that screwed her on this. No, and so no, she no. ended up on the wrong side of the, uh, of the grift. 
All well, of them are in on the grift. It's just who gets the most in the end. If the expression is no honor among scoundrels or no honor among no honor thieves. among thieves. Yes, that's um, exactly what is I, the I, real political backstory. I have. I'm not fighting with Hinkle anymore. I'm not going to fight with Kim Iverson anymore unless they. But man, on. she's making bad arguments. When you have to, this was my whole. This is when I knew. I, was I, I, didn't, I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it. With Nick Flint case, I was like, all you got to do that if you do a deep dive into the Israeli-Palestinian debate. It comes down to always one simple question. Are you okay with Hamas having nuclear weapons? And if you're not, like any sane person would not be, then you have no choice in the end. You side with Hamas. Now, does that mean you have to get involved in the war? No. Does that mean you got to give them money? No. That just means that politically, when you're choosing between one or the other, if you're a UN representative, you can never side with Hamas because the end goal of Hamas is to control Israel, and that means controlling nuclear weapons, which is insane. And that's how you see Kim Iverson saying it will be okay if if the if Hamas takes over Israel. You know, there the won't Jew be anything bad that could happen to the Jews. The, the it's not like they've been expelled from every other Middle Eastern country, well, but, right? But this, but these are these are the double-edged swords. Like people say, they've been expelled from every other country for a reason, and that's that's the argument. Okay, okay, oh, okay. Well, then what about the Palestinians? I mean, well, they but, get, they've been expelled from every other no, country too. So, I mean, be, they get they, they've been expelled when they're they're from their co-religionists. That's the, how that's how bad the palace. I mean, like I said, king losers of the world. No, I know I, I lost I, more than the Palestinians. They're oh, king no. losers. Nobody loses more. It's all they do is lose. And then they, they whine about the consequences of losing. I have no doubt they've lost. I think they've been exploited as a people. There's no question about that. The, the, but with Kim Iverson and then she says, well, the, the, the Jews can go back to the European countries from whence they came because that's and then everyone will peacefully coexist as if that makes sense Hamas but... with nuclear weapons kim that's how nuts your position now, but but then the you flip kim kim wants hamas to have nuclear weapons the Check flip your side brain before you say something that stupid the otherwise flip... you sound like nicholas fuentes well the and flip side means, is and that's a guy who likes to dress up as a rabbit and chase people around the flip side is nobody trusts netanyahu and as i don't and then we'll say i don't trust netanyahu with nuclear weapons either but his game is a lot longer... like hamas I mean, that, that i mean i got lots of criticism with netanyahu big difference between netanyahu with nukes and hamas with nukes there, there's no question uh, what, what drives me nuts is uh you i i do not i i've never unfollowed anybody for um reasons like this i had to unfollow hinkle and i had to unfollow iverson yeah, the grift was getting big, but he's, grift, you know, the, he, he's doing uh, the grift is working for him. Well, I, he, it, it, now it's, he it's representative. Working. That young population aligns with anything they think is anti-establishment, anti-globalist. And that's how it's like, OK, you, you should check yourself when you're on the same side as Hamas. But, Robert, right? but the, the, to them, Hamas are the rebels, the revolutionary. That's how they can be. They can say they're communist like Trump. And like Hamas, those three things don't go together. Well, but in the, your young millennial Zoomer, it does. Uh, they the grift works until it doesn't work, and my goodness, at some point sooner than later, it's going to stop working because when channels go from being channels to being bullhorns, um, and and so so cheap, obviously, what it, it irritated me a lot. It's not Kim Iverson and Hinkle; they're not after the truth period, full stop, whatever they say. They might be good-looking, young, eloquent, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Smooth talkers. They're not after the truth, period, and that drove me nuts, and then I was done. Well, I, so, I think they think they are. No, I, 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 don't, I don't even, I don't even, they do not think they are at this point in time. I, I do not think they are, but my goodness, the grift will work until it no longer works. My, it's interesting. Well, the reason why I say it definitely is to Iverson 
is we're seeing her in live time deal with these conflicts. And, and, and it's, it's, it's where you have to end up if you're honest on the topic. Now, you can be Aaron Maté and Max Blumenthal and, quite frankly, Glenn Greenwald and not really be honest on these topics. They haven't been historically. I know you but, take flack for that. You take flack for that. I, I have, I'm going to have to. I'll, because they're not. Scott Horton, they're not. <laughs> it, here's why I give Kim Iverson credit. She's acknowledging the ultimate objective of being pro-Palestinian. Pro, it means you're okay with a Hamas running the Israel government and population. And she's trying to excuse in her mind why that's okay. The problem is you can't, you really can't credibly for too long excuse that. But I'll give her credit for at least realizing that's the consequences of being pro-Palestinian. That's the consequence of being pro-Hamas. Uh, so the the that's why I give her more credit than I give Aaron Mate, who doesn't want to accept that. Max Blumenthal, who doesn't want to accept that. Glenn Greenwald, who doesn't want to accept that. There, at least Kim Iverson's being intellectually honest. I, I think her conclusion shows the absurdity of that position, but at least she's intellectually honest well, enough to reveal it. I, I, I will give the benefit of the doubt until this, until I can no longer. When Kim says no state has the quote right to exist, and then I'll say, okay, well that is in, by international law untenable. A state has the right to protect its borders. Then the argument is going to be. But Israel is violating international law after 19... And I'll say, okay, fine. We can have that separate argument later. But you, you can't... Are you okay with Hamas having nukes or not? And if you're not, then you are only okay with a two-state solution that recognizes but then, but then Robert, the Jewish majority Robert, to exist. And that means you rebut Hamas's very reason for existence. Yes, but but I'm, I'm going to play a very, very big devil's advocate here at the risk of getting called names by members of my own community. We know that Netanyahu has had, by way of strategy, playing Hamas against the PLO. Oh, there's plenty of criticism for the, of Israel. Well, for the purposes of not allowing for the independent, unindependent Palestinian state. To oh. And I'll have to argue with myself, to which I say, I, I'm not arguing with myself. Yes, I don't trust Netanyahu, period. Uh, for a number of reasons, call me whatever names you want. There are sound clips and quotes that prove this as a strategy that will undermine their response to what they're doing now. Oh, sure. And you got Netanyahu will... wanted us to go into Iraq. Yep. So, you know, was constantly badgered for war with Iran, constantly gone into Syria, constantly gone into Lebanon. Uh, and I don't think those things have secured the peace of Israel. No, But it's... that's very different from let, it's okay to be on Hamas's side, which means Israel no longer exists, which means Hamas, the ultimate goal of Hamas, is that they're in control of what Israel is currently in control of, not only the population, but nuclear weapons. And if you're not willing to embrace that, and, and this is like some people will ask me on the right, why should we care at all? And I was like, well, aside from the evangelical part of the right that likes the fact that Israel has recognized their ability to travel there to a land they consider of holy religious significance, even if we put that aside, it's mischaracterized as prophecy-supported politics, which is all hogwash. Michael Tracy needs to quit being lazy on topics like this. Just because you've got a few scattered people that you can find saying biblical prophecy supports our supporting Israel, that's not because that's why a bunch of evangelical Christians back Israel. Because historically, they didn't back at the beginning. They began to support Israel after Israel constantly allowed Christian trips to, the, uh, to Israel for Christian purposes. By the way, when the Jordan controlled Jerusalem... Christians were banned from doing so. Christians in the old Christian quarter of Jerusalem were kicked out by the Arabs. We know how, this is the other problem that Kim Iverson at least is uh, kind of addressing. We know what the Muslims would do if they were in charge because they have been in charge. And when they've been in charge, they've expelled everybody else. 
Lebanon, according to uh, uh, you know certain scholars like Chomsky, said back in the 60s was going to be the right example. Does anyone want to be like Lebanon today? What did they do to that Christian majority nation? Oh, did they cause constant civil wars? And who was the triggering cause? Might it have been the same Palestinians that cause conflict wherever they go? If you want to make an argument for the Palestinians, the Palestinians can make that argument by having a civilized society, not a barbaric society, not causing war everywhere they go, not having some of the biggest bigoted, most prejudiced, most hateful population in the world by every public survey that's done, by every you know educational program they're involved in. Robert, the problems of the Palestinians are the Palestinians' fault. That's the bottom line. And the devil's argument, what is it? The, the devil's advocate response to that is going to say, you live in squalid conditions for 70 years, 50 years. Now we can Whose blame fault it. Whose is that? It's that, theirs. That's, that's it's the theirs. question. And now, they were in and, Egypt and they tried to overthrow it. They were in Jordan. They tried to overthrow it. They were in Lebanon. They tried to overthrow it. Why do they keep trying to overthrow every government known to man? including other Arab Muslim governments involved in assassination and terrorism. Well, maybe it's because they teach their six-year-olds that their only existence is to hate and, and eliminate Israel. It's the problem. The Palestinians have a sick, sick culture rooted in bigotry and prejudice. This is why they love, they say they were just recently uh, uh, you know, circulating how no gays will ever be allowed in Palestine. They'll kill them. Uh, what a great example, Kim Iverson. What a great example. Jackson Hinkle of a country or government sure, or society. But then, but, then, but then Kim goes into, I went through and it was so beautiful and this and that. I'm like, I, I can give another example. Oh, of go, someone who, go move to Gaza Strip. No, but, but I, that. I, I don't do these things because some of these arguments are too personal to even raise publicly. But like, you know, people who have had family and loved ones kidnapped and murdered by Hamas that were there as as humanitarian. It's like, OK, what 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 lesson have you learned? A lot of the people that? that died in the most recent Hamas attacks were there at a peace rally. Well, that, that's that's at a peace event. And a that's peace why event. why they were there, including and, Americans, including. And, and when people ask me why we should care, here's the other reason. What's unique about Iran, what's unique about Hamas, what's unique about Hezbollah is it, it, it doesn't end with death to Israel. The next very chant is death to America. So it's like when Glenn Greenwald's like, how could anybody be opposed to Iran on the, on the populist right side? Maybe because they chant death to my country on a routine and regular basis. Maybe because Hamas does. Maybe because Hezbollah does. Maybe because the Palestinians cheered 9-11. Sorry, I got zero sympathy for the Palestinian cause because of the Palestinians' own conduct. I take them at their word. They've told us for more than a century their only purpose of existence is not to have their own country, not to have a decent civilization, not to have a decent economy, but is to eliminate the presence of Jews from any majority state in, in the Middle East. They've made that crystal clear. I take them at their word. That means they are unworthy of working with. And whatever happens to them is their own bad acts and their own bad doing. I said we weren't going to talk about this, Robert. I didn't want to talk about this. Damn it. Okay. Well, no. that's no, it. That doesn't mean <laughs> that, that they should go into Gaza. No, no, I don't no, understand no. doing what benefits uh, Hamas. No, but, Hamas they're, they're... needs victim porn. It feeds their entire movement. Well, you, you're it no, feeds you're... the money. It feeds the volunteer. And how, Joel Pollack, do you eliminate Hamas? How do you eliminate an idea? How do you eliminate the support structure for that idea? You by military means? No, you can't. I, I'm see, I'm seeing the videos. It's I don't I don't retweet these things. I think it's I think it's 
exploitive. I'm seeing the videos blowing up buildings. It's great. It looks good. It's like shock and awe all over again. And yeah. then I see, I see dead and, children. And you're inevitably going to have some kids, people who die who, who are non combatant But not a thousand percent. And then you get everybody retweeting. Like, what the hell did you expect? Well, we've got to. You can complain about it. You can be Joel Pollock and say there's a big legal difference and moral difference between that and what Hamas did. I agree entirely. But it doesn't change that the actual problem Israel has is the support for the Palestinian cause in the Palestinian Arab, Muslim, and Global South. The, and, and you this do not the, defeat that by giving them victim porn on a daily basis. And this is the, it's the same thing I've heard for the last 30 years of my life, from going from the first intifada where I was barely conscious to the second where I was conscious to the to this. It's like, oh, yeah. It, are, you, are you surprised hearing college kid campuses cheer intifada? No. Like, it's, it's one thing. No, 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 no. I was wrong. This will be a legal, a brief legal bonus topic tonight. Uh <laughs> A news a Twitter went viral statement claiming that DeSantis had shut down a pro-Palestinian group. Yes. Speech prohibiting anti-Semitism. Oh, no, no, they said he fabricated he fabricated the justification to shut him down. Where from it's what I, false. It wasn't because of anything related to anti-Semitism. The group was was not being prohibited from speech, but simply no longer going to be a state-funded, state-recognized organization. And third, it's because we have always said you can't embrace terrorism and support terrorism, provide material support to terrorism. Okay. And that's what this group was doing. Yeah, but that, they but said they were part of the, the terrorist action. Well, that, that's where the semantics debate is going to come into play. Did he fabricate the material support for terrorism to shut down their First Amendment rights, or did they materially support terrorism? And it, and, it, and it appears to me they materially supported it. And it won't be a surprise. These kids are on college campuses saying go into FADA. Well, but it's, so hold on a second. Does material support for terrorism include First Amendment expression? It does if it says we are part of operation, the same operation that committed the terror. Al-Aqsa flood, hypothetically, yes. just for saying that. If that's what they did, then, and, and this isn't about First Amendment speech, they're still allowed to speak that. They're just no longer entitled to state funding for their organization because under federal law, that's always been prohibited. So the like there was this misrepresentation that it was about anti-Semitism or about the availability of speech. That's not my understanding of what took place. My understanding of what took place is they're no longer a state recognized for purposes of state funding because they said they were part of a terrorist organization. Yeah. Now, if it turns out they're factually wrong, then that organization has a right to protest it to prove otherwise. But the the allegation by Glenn Greenwald and others that this was just speech suppression there are plenty of other good examples Greenwald can legitimately cite where people are being wrongfully targeted for speech. This was just not one of those examples. And it's it's a blind spot of Greenwald who doesn't want to admit these are terrorists who embrace terrorism on a routine and regular basis. Here I'll give credit to Michael Tracy. At least Tracy, who's otherwise critical of Israel and our involvement and support of it, admitted he said, obviously Hamas is crazy. It's like, I mean, well, he goes, how is it controversial to point out Hamas is crazy? And yet the people he picked up who supported him because he was being anti-Israel were like, how dare you uh, question this? And then we have a congresswoman who's unwilling to question Hamas. It's like, how is this controversial? Hamas, when it came to power, however it came to power, whatever people want to argue about who supported him when, it was Palestinians that voted him in. And when they got in, what did they say? They rejected. They turned down billions of dollars. Because they said we will not agree to anything we our predecessors in the Palestinian organization have agreed to. We will not recognize Israel's right to exist. We will not right, recognize any of the Oslo Accords. 
I mean, uh, they could have done that and got billions, yet they refuse. I mean, they're, 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 uh, they're sociopaths. They, they make the Klan look like a tea party. I mean, that's who these people are. And we have to be honest about both sides or we're never going to get anywhere with this. I didn't want to talk about this, Robert. It makes me very upset. It makes me very irritated as well because it's like it's the next. Because all the Jew haters are coming out. At least you're not well, Gadsad in Montreal. I mean, he's getting all kinds of vitriol. No, but but it's like it's like it's just it's not the Jew. It's not the Jew haters in a in a serious, um, immediate sense. It's just like the 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 uh, desecration of dialogue. And so yeah, yeah. you put a tweet out of something unrelated and I'm getting called a Zionist. Like, okay, I mean, it's just, it's so stupid. It just, it may, it makes for discussion to be impossible. It's very discouraging. I believe there are psyops going on here in real time. Jackson, I, uh, <laughs> I don't want to say Jackson Hinkle might be part of them. I believe there are players who are opportunistically jumping on this oh, yes. very divisive bandwagon. I believe there are players, bot accounts, just being sent out en masse to sow discord. And, um, and the amazing thing, I mean, the Palestinian narrative is, is a version of the woke narrative. It's the BLM narrative. It's entirely a victim narrative where they have no agency but, or authority. No, but, but I, I can understand. I, I, it's not that I can understand it. There, there's a certain portion that I can absolutely believe to be true. You live under squalor for 50 years. The only question is going to be, who do you blame the squalor on? They're going to say all on well, Israel. Others well, might say. It, it, and that's a bad narrative. That, that, that guarantees continued squalor. When you refuse to accept accountability, when you believe you have no inner agency, that's the only guarantee for your continued poor position. Otherwise, you can improve upon it. And, then, and this is where, like, Christopher Lash's criticism. Anybody that adopts a victim narrative doesn't actually have empathy with the people they are claiming as victims. They have contempt for them. That's, that, that I 1,000% agree with everybody. Everybody, including those on social media, exploiting this for their tweets and their clicks, their engagement, are exploiting it and have contempt. Hey, suffer more. It's good for me. The flip side, Robert, is, oh, geez, Louise, um, I just forgot it. Well, I mean, well yeah, I mean the, the, the people who want, I mean, why were, I uh, agree again with Robert Kennedy oh, oh, and, and, uh, on this, you know, why were bombing places, uh, why were proactively involved, why we got all these tanks, all these uh, ships there? No, that, this, this is just inviting conflict, unnecessary conflict, we're, and to we're expand gonna... this war beyond the scale. We're we should be telling the- Israel, don't go into Gaza, do surgical strikes, do what you can, but otherwise focus on your security and go back to the Trump path of separating out Arab Muslim popular opinion from the anti-Israeli uh, Israeli extermination claw- uh, claw- cause of the Palestinians. And because if you would shift that into a Palestinian state cause, a true two-state solution cause, then uh, the which would happen as soon as these countries normalize relations with Israel, which is what Saudi Arabia was about to do until this incident occurred, which should tell you who profited, who gained, mm-hmm. who was involved. Key, um, was it? It's key bono, key bueno. Yeah, exactly. I mean the, uh, but you know the. I mean all of it is also a distraction from our next topic of tonight, which is of course the Biden corruption scheme. Well, that hold keeps on. Getting bigger, wider, and deeper. Robert, I said I'm going to end this with a mildly funny... I wasn't even going to play it tonight because I didn't want to get involved in this discussion. But hold on. Hold on because it's everything about it. Oh, hold on. I'm, I'm going to bring it up regardless of whether or not I have it in the back. Ryan Long. Robert, do you know who this guy is? He, he's coming on sooner than later, people. So stay tuned. I'm not playing the whole thing because I, I want people to go watch the whole thing. It's, it's hilarious in the most cynical way possible. 
one 30 seconds. In discussing America's involvement in the Israel-Palestine conflict, Republican Senator Lindsey Graham has made a plea to Congress saying he just wants one more war and then won't ask again after that, he promises. Graham then went on to say that he hasn't asked them for a war since Ukraine, which was like forever ago, and it doesn't even have to be a big one. He just needs a little something something to keep him regular, and then he'll be out of their hair, hand to God. When the topic of de-escalation and the possibility of working towards an agreement for a ceasefire and the safe return of the hostages came up, Lindsey Graham stood up and said, and I quote, Come on, man, don't do this to me. You're killing me here. It doesn't even have to be a full war. We can even go with a measly proxy. I just need a little taste. Come on, guys, don't cock block me. Okay, listen, I don't want to have to beg, but I'll beg before getting down on his knees and continuing. All I'm asking for is a tiny little scuffle with Hamas and a quick little Donnybrook with Iran. I, I, I don't know what a Donnybrook is. I'm going to look it up after this. Uh, everyone go watch Ryan Long because he, he's an absolute comedic genius and I'm not stealing from it and I don't want to divert traffic from, I want to divert traffic to. All right, Robert, that was my black pill. I didn't want to talk about it, but we had to and we did. Okay, now we move on to... The, what it's all a distraction from, the continued incompetence and in, uh, disclosure of corruption of the Biden regime. Well, what I love, there's a bit of a bridge, another, a sub-bridge. The attack on Israel on October 7th, it's, it's not arguably, it's, it's an atrocity. The only question is going to be, was it a result of failure of intelligence, distraction from political corruption? Uh, and I think the answer to that is yes, with a but, and you can go from there. Coming back to America now, Biden, the senile, demented buffoon who can't make a sentence, who can't walk upstairs, is shipping aircraft carriers of Americans to the Middle East to, to intercept missiles. Um, but apparently uh, is it the most corrupt uh, 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 president ever. Uh, the, tw the check, Robert, he, he, he has a $200,000 check coming from his brother. Uh, repayment of a loan. Loan repayment. Because, you know, the, his brother needed a quick something-something, a little 200 k for a six-week carry-me-over daylight savings loan. Um, Robert, it's, it's so ridiculous, the reality. And the justification, you've got Aaron T. Rupert, A.T. Rupert, whose name is literally in the Urban Dictionary for a lying sack of S-H-I-T. Then you've got uh, Dan Goldman, who is literally the replacement for lying scumbag Adam Schiff saying, the loan, it was just a loan repayment. You guys are liars. His brother, uh, he was advanced the loan. He repaid it. And that's the repayment. It, easy peasy, but they don't show any proof of the loan repayment. There's a $200,000 check from his brother to him saying loan repayment. And the arguments flow from there. What is your take on it, Robert? Uh, I mean, yes, it's it's uh, the amount of cash going back and forth. I mean, credit to the uh, Republican member of the House who subpoenaed the bank records. Because by going into the bank records, we're discovering things that just really cannot be explained normally. Uh, including it appears that Biden bought his multi-million dollar beachside home with all cash. Where did he come up with all that <laughs> cash? He's Robert, he, uh, family money. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Mr. Blue Collar. Uh, family money are definitely, but I mean, it shows how brazen <laughs> the corruption is. The whole family weaponized his office, whether it was Senator, Vice President, or future potential president. By the way, that's why he was suggesting he might run in 2016. 2016. He knew Obama didn't back his campaign in 2016 and backed Hillary, so he wasn't going to ever run, but he made it look like he was so he could shake down as many people in the interim. Uh, and then always talked about running in 2020, even if he wasn't going to run, ultimately he did, 
but the same goal, shake down a bunch of money in the interim. And that, that's what he's done. He's, he's an old school shakedown artist. He just does it at a different scale than, you know, the senator from New Jersey or the prosecutor from Baltimore or Sam Bankman Freed. The, uh, so the, the net effect of it, we're seeing more and more irrefutable evidence, and they come up with the most ludicrous interpretations. And it goes back to the confession through projection narrative of 2020, that everything they accused Trump of, Biden has been guilty of all the way through. The, whether it was the classified documents case, we're discovering, in fact, that he did all the things that they accused Trump of, except he didn't have legal authority to have the document where he had it. And he actually did monetize it for his personal profit. They kept saying, well, you know, if you dig into Trump's financial records, you'll find something. Well, yeah, actually, they found nothing when the New York prosecutor was done. She had to manufacture fake charges. With Biden, you just dig in a little and you find all kinds of evidence of corruption and criminality. They kept saying Donald Trump Jr. should be looked into. Turns out he has impeccable uh, issues, no issues. But Hunter has more issues than you can count at. You take all the combined problems of siblings and children through the whole history of the presidency, and Hunter Biden in one person outdoes them all. Uh, he's got a little Billy Carter. He's got a little bit of this. He's got a little bit of you know that. And uh, you know, and basically, Biden makes Spiro Agnew look like a minor player who was the last major Baltimore person to be prosecuted before this Baltimore prosecutor in major political charge cases. So it's extraordinary the scale and scope of it. Now, this new speaker, the one area he appears to be good at is he appears he's going to stay consistent. He's a constitutional lawyer. He comes from a background of helping uh, religious right organizations. So there's a lot of, he's a young congressman from northeast Northwest Louisiana. A lot of reason for hope with him until he started wussing out right away about Ukraine and, and running the Sean Hannity of all places. You, you knew he was going to be a legit if he went to Tucker Carlson for his first interview. You knew he was probably going to be a sellout if he went to Sean Hannity for his first interview, and he went to Sean Hannity. But he has said he will pursue the impeachment, and he does understand the constitutional basis for the impeachment of whether Biden has used his current policies in office to cover up his long history of family criminality. And you could argue that what's happening in Israel is a part of that, because not only distracting from the debacle of the Ukraine conflict for the Western side, with Ukraine getting whooped on a daily basis. And we'll have on all of these and other historical and uh, military topics in a few weeks, November 15th, uh, we'll have history legends for uh, our, our next big sidebar, oh, yeah. which will be fun. Uh, but it, it, to me, the, the evidence is increasingly unimpeachable of the impeachable offenses of Joe <laughs> Bud. <laughs> I, so I, like, I asked a very simple question to Dan Goldman and A.T. Rupar. Show us the evidence of the loan that the brother was, uh, sorry, that the loan that Biden advanced to his brother, a short-term six to eight-week loan. Just show us the evidence. I might have more questions, but just show us the evidence of the loan that was repaid. Failing, AmeriCorps, Robert, the, the, one of the bigger scandals of the $200,000 also is that it was paid the day that AmeriCorps, a company in financial distress, wired the money or sent the money to Joe Biden's brother. Are you familiar with the details of that or not? Not necessarily. Not, not with all the details. No, uh, but it's come. It's part of the I mean, knowing that remember this. Remember Hunter Biden and all the shell entities he had yes. connected to Ukraine and the rest. And remember, some of those shell entities ended up connecting to bioweapons research in eastern uh, Ukraine. 
where they were experimenting on the Russian population there in, in, in the same disputed controverted regions. So all of this comes together. And the question is, will the guy launch World War III to cover up for his own crimes before we can impeach him? Now, I don't think he will be removed because of the Senate. Too many Democrats in the Senate will pardon anything he does, as has already been evident and manifest. And even though Newsom was pretending to play, was playing president and visiting Xi in China, I don't know if it really helps Newsom's cause to look so buddy-buddy with Xi. Um, <laughs> well, you know what I mean, I don't know who was like, which constituency is he playing to? I think he's, maybe he's trying to get, um, oh, other geez. than pretending he's president. No, no, I'm just, he's trying to, he's trying to hook Swalwell back up with Fang Fang. <laughs> Sorry, that's a bad joke. I shouldn't have made that joke. I feel immediately guilty for having made that um okay done fine and fine oh, I, now yeah, we got uh four fun topics uh uh no we have two topics for the show and, and then, three topics for the after party at vivabarnslaw.locals.com and this uh, sports picks is a separate site that i run for people who want political and sports betting information uh promoting it tonight but the uh and soccernomics a fun book about the great sport of european world football but hold on the, robert you know, Josh, Ethan has the right size. He could be a probably a pretty good soccer player. He he will be a wrestler, but I'm not sure that he wanted to oh, be a wrestler. wrestler. All right. You want him, you want him violent. You want him well, that's the thing. The, the, knowing how to attack. And the cauliflower ears are, are were always the the side the, the pitfall of, de, of of wrestling. I I got in real time a definition of Donnybrook, and it's a free-for-all, a usually public quarrel or dispute. Never heard that word in my entire life. Now I know what it means. All right. Yeah, Robert. we got reggae. We got magic mushrooms. We got statutes of limitations. We got benzene shampoo, and we got trans and kids sports. Let's end on on Rumble with the reggae because that's the only one of those that I know nothing about. I read it. And I was like, okay, I know nothing. I understand nothing, and I don't understand why you are you have a good reason for understanding its importance. Do that, Robert. I'm going to send the link to locals, and we're going to go over there after this. All right. And remember, if you want us to answer any question, any tip of $5 or more, we will try to answer at vivabarneslaw.locals.com. So the, uh, uh, yeah, so uh, there's, a, I think it's called a reggaeton. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, <laughs> but it's a particular brand of reggae uh, that the foundation of which was in the late 80s by a couple of reggae musicians who my understanding, because I'm musically li more limited uh, than you are, uh, it's a drug rhythm, in a, uh, not drug, drum rhythm it might have been inspired it may have also been a drug rhythm if you know reggae years ago i, I got a client uh who was big into like some sort of alternative medicine space and he first time i met him he's like oh i i he saw my hat and he's like okay you're with me no problems i'm ready to hire you i had no idea i was wearing like this reggae symbol hat that i, I picked up because i thought it was cool in malibu the uh uh where matt perry i guess just passed away the so the but apparently it's a drum rhythm in the song that created the foundation of reggaeton. It's my understanding. What's happened is almost all the great reggaeton musicians have utilized it, this particular kind of drum drum rhythm. And so it, it, it's in thousands of songs. It's in all of the entire genre. Well, now the the creators of that original drum rhythm are suing. They're saying that's actually our copyright, the entire genre. So we want all the money that everybody's made from the entire genre. 
So it's a massive suit in the reggae and the music space because of its financial implications. There's not a major reggae musician since 1990 that's not impacted by the case. Uh, not a major studio or music, you know, Geffen, everybody's involved in the case. But the key question is going to be, I think because of the scale of the impact, judges are going to be scared from getting involved. Yeah, but it's, it sounds like they're trying to, um, uh, you know, protect a, 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 the blues structure. Let's, let's just hear this. I'm going to yeah. refresh this. Okay, let's just hear what this is. Once I heard it, I knew exactly what it was. Reggaeton. That they, rhythm they, was created by two musicians in 1989 in Jamaica, or a song that they did. That it's been copied ever since. Wait, hold on, Robert. I saw a fish. Okay, sorry. I'm going to stop that. I'm going to stop that. Sorry. <laughs> um, so the okay, question so is, 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 I think because it impacts an entire genre, judges are going to be scared of the consequence, of the financial consequence of, of saying that that's actually copyrighted material. But the legal issue is going to be whether or not that particular rhythm, that part of that combination of, of musical notes in that manner with that drum rhythm, whether that's even subject to copyright protection. Because the argument is that's common music, not specific musical notes sufficient to be copyrightable. Yeah. And it, that's going to be like... the legal dispute. It's going to impact the entire music industry writ large. It's, it's, I, now I forget how the Katy Perry Dark Horse actually turned out. I remember thinking that I was shocked by the results at the time. That sounds like, if that's protectable, that sounds like it might've been ripped off from, from blues in general. It's, it sounds, all right, that's interesting. Uh, Robert, let me, let me share the link for Viva Barnes Law. Dot locals. Dot we got com. magic mushrooms. Are they going to make the DEA schedule? We got the statute of limitations when an injury is not always an injury. We got whether benzene might be in your shampoo. And we got will they let trans in kids' sports? Uh, and just to whet everyone's appetite on the mushrooms, it's changing it from schedule one, non medicinal, to schedule two. Uh, the benzene, is it causing cancer? That's it. With, with, with that said, Robert, what uh, appearances do you have coming up this week, if any? Oh, no, the, I'm going to be in Florida for the uh, first uh, for the premiere uh, of uh, the Rumble special premiere of uh, the police state, uh, the, the one that's the live premiere at Mar-a-Lago, which I assume is still going on. Uh, I, now that I think about it, I'm going, too. I don't know that I had that in my agenda. I, it's there. I'm going. Yes, yeah, Wednesday it's, night, I believe, isn't it? Okay, Wednesday night. So long as it's... Son of a beasting. I might have double booked myself. Halloween so, is Tuesday night. Okay. Well, no, I didn't double book myself with Halloween, but we'll see. I'm going to have to go check my agenda right now. And we'll, although we're going to see each other. Children's Health Defense Conference in Savannah, Georgia this coming weekend. And then I got to fly up uh, to Cleveland, uh, Akron, Ohio, to meet with the Justice Department prosecutors in the Brooke Jackson case to see whether the Justice Department might do their job. You know, you never know. All right, I'm ending it, people, on Rumble now. Come to Locals. I, I have a typo, and it said do tit now instead of do it now, but that's gonna we're going to live with that. Ending it on local on Rumble, vivabarnslaw.locals.com. Robert, this has been amazing. I don't feel any better, but whatever. At least I know more now. Ending on Rumble in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Going to Locals, and we'll see you there, people. Peace out. Enjoy the weekend. Booyah. All right, Ro Robert. There's, I, I'm still on the Epstein, not Epstein cat meme. <laughs> okay, so before we get into the subject matter, 
I'm going to go scroll all the way up to the tipped questions and get as many as I can before I lose my salivation in my throat. <sighs> Smartest man says, media omitted not the Nazis to smear Trump in the Charlottesville. Best way to beat the lie of omission is to play the omission in their faces and demand apology right then and there. Would Trump have won 2020 election had he played the Charlottesville Nazi smear card? No, he would have won 2020 had they not played the Hunter Biden bullshit cover-up. Uh, the professor from the Trump Taj Mahal. There's a link there. Can he still use the Nazi lie of omission to make the Dems apologize in 2024? I'll say no. I mean, G he, can, he can continue to you know raise it in the court of public opinion, but it will be a secondary issue compared to all the other issues. Use NVIDIAs to watch YouTube privately and for free. That's from G Pumakis. $10 from Toy Tow Trucks. Barnes in a fantasy world where Viva agrees to do a charity boxing match. Who, oh, Barnes. In a fantasy world where Viva agrees to do a boxing match. Who is the opponent? George St. Pierre, period. End of discussion. Or maybe. Justin Trudeau. Oh, that would be or so Justin bad. Castro. No, I would do. I, I would do. I would say. I'd like to say. I would do Trudeau without. That's gross and has a double meaning unintended. Bill Brown says, "What you believe to be true is it true, or do you just believe that it's true because you were taught it's true and never looked any further?" I'm going to say the latter, a thousand percent, not knowing who's in that picture that I'm looking at. Um, I'm going to actually skip to the ones that are five because there's a lot here. Brooke Jackson xed that the DOJ wants to meet with her and her lawyers, Barnes Mendel, Mendenhall. Can you provide an update on the case? I think you just did-ish. Dandyboy5, $10, says, loved your Public Square interview. Oh, that was great. The guy's amazing. Uh, Michael Seifert. I bought great shaving kits, cigars, and gun belts. I was going to show yeah. you. Yeah, he should be a future sponsor. Du the dude is smart beyond... He's amazing, and we'll see. The wheels are in motion, Jerry. I think Robert Barnes is way too optimistic. The U.S. will collapse. The problem will be that what will come next? Will it be better or worse? Says Jeanette Victoria. Dread Robert says, who are the judges? Barnes has confidence in will step in or if they step in, will we do it? What would they do in accordance with the Constitution and the law? Dread Roberts. That's Robert somebody in the judiciary. So we'll see. Probably ultimately it comes down to the Supreme Court, whether they'll take proactive action or not. N O Net Jez five dollars says Viva. It's Vivek as in cake. V v Vegas attendee, not just as in Jessica. Dude, I will mispronunciate the way the names that I want. <laughs> I know it's Vivek actually because I've seen him say, and I, and I should make sure to say it properly. Jeanette Vittori says I've been in an old Soviet prison in Kiev, Ukraine. Uh, Jeanette, now I know who you are. We I, now I sorry I just you met in Chattanooga. Yeah, Chattanooga. The, the day after the event, when I was doing my one last tour on the way out to the airport, there was no difference. I was in solitary confinement for over two weeks. And in the Jeanette, you didn't win this week. One day you're going to win at, or we're just going to schedule this. Um, they took my seizure medication. At least in Kiev, it was only three days and they didn't take my meds for me. The guards in the U.S. were mean and bullies in Kiev. They were mostly disinterested. Yeah, yeah that's often true. Quarter native says uh, Washington state prisons made covid uh, at plus inmates walk outside between buildings in their boxers, t-shirts, prison sleeping guards to go to quarantine. I know of a prison that has foreign, part foreign particles blowing through a vent so thick that every day it's an inch thick. That's just terrible. Oh, yeah. G. Pumakis, biblical punishment is either restitution or capital punishment. There is no biblical case for prisons. None. 
that we got uh, Ba Rake Rake one. If you were on the Supreme Court, would you interfere, give guidance, etc.? In the current court cases, would you yeah, take them as soon as you can and just start knocking them down as fast as you can? Rockahora five dollars Barnes. You have to read Cash Patel's. Uh, have you read Cash Patel's book at all? He Not yet. He's someone of good character. Cash Patel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Though, no, but naive. Yeah, that's exactly who he is. He's friends with Amanda Millius. Yeah, he says he lives in Vegas, seems to hold salty uh, Sally Yates in the same way. Oh, I didn't know he lives here in Vegas. I'll catch up with him. Dude, let's fig- I'm going to screen grab that. So we oh, yeah, we definitely do a sidebar. I think we invited him before, and he said he had an hour available no, or something. No, it's going to happen. There's date. no reason why it wouldn't happen. It's, 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 a, it's a no-brainer. Uh, YL Dreamin. Y'all Dreamin, I get it now. MG, my son's cancer wasn't treated. Then he was dying and they didn't let us know until the doctors insisted they could no longer treat him without family as he could no longer consent. It was horrible. The first thing he said when he saw us was he thought he hated him because he thought we hated him because we couldn't come and he was so sick. That's the... I think they should be required to notify family. It depends on the circumstances, unfortunately. That should be a legal right, in my view. That was also viciously violated during COVID. Y'all talk to Larry Lawton or Jessica Kent. Both are former federal prisoners Hmm. that do YouTube videos. Very informative to hear their prisoner. I agree. That would be very SRN. Let me just screen grab that before I lose it. Uh, We got entry required. says anything libelous or actionable in that South Park joining the No, it was just perfectly descriptive of Kathleen Kennedy and Disney. And it did a wonderful mockery. Uh, It had a Cartman version in the alternative universe of Kathleen Kennedy. That it was Cartman as Kathleen Kennedy. So the uh, just say who everything was stick, put a stick of woman in it, make her gay. No, no, stick a woman, woman in it and make her gay. I got, I got to start watching this with my oldest. I think she, she's old enough now. I think she's probably watching it without me. I got to get in on this. Love you, Barnes. You may be sorry. I'm sitting up. My uh, sciatic is hurting me. Love you, Barnes. You may, you may very be, you may very be right on the Petrocelli Enron, but I would have a few words on the OJ civil trial. I would never own those guys' ugly ass shoes as he walks. The Bills sideline with his Bruno Mollies, he killed her. Rockahora says, have either of you looked into the case of Turtle Boy up in Boston? Independent journalist who's been investigating a current case involving a murder cover-up by the police department is now facing charges up to 20 years himself. Uh, young YouTube uh, lawyer. Oh, I know Lauren. Uh, I'm not, I know the name. D- Lauren DeLunga, I think, has been covering it and might be worth looking into. I got it. Uh, then we're going to go down here. Well, hold on. We got... I saw this. It would be grateful to see you in Israel, Palestine. I don't. I don't like talking that stuff. Anyhow, that was from um, uh, Gigam Gigam. Okay, now we got Vrooman five dollars. Why do so many other countries hate the Jews? Is it just the Muslim countries? Turkey? No, it's not just the Muslim countries because it's Spain, France, and the yeah, question is why. A, a religious minority who uh, was constantly uh, scapegoated by the powers that be within the because they're a religious minority. It's not all that complicated. So the uh, uh, Turkey is a Muslim country. I mean, Turkey, the Turkey, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, and Iran all think they should run the Muslim world. Uh, Erdogan has not been bashful about this. We'll discuss this with history legends. He's been breaking down Turkey's military expansionistic behavior. Erdogan thinks that the Ottoman Empire should be back and he should be running it. And this has been mostly suppressed. Uh, Flynn got caught up in the middle of that. Uh, the... But when uh, in between 2016 and 2020, I'm sorry, in between 2012 and 2016, it's partially the whole thing was what he was doing vis-a-vis Turkey. 
the uh, but to the that should not surprise anybody. Uh, but anti-Semitism has been the one of the most common scapegoats for two thousand years. But Ronnie, uh, I, and I, the, that that's the history of it. So that, that's but the idea that Jews did something to bring it on. It's just because they're a religious minority that's very independent. Well, but, now but you it, add to that, they're like the Amish of America to a degree. We just haven't yet built up the local hatred of it because the elites haven't yet targeted them systematically. But you have this independent population, independently taught, independent religious institutions that's independently financially successful to a certain degree in all, in all the world throughout this entire time frame. Your local royals are not going to like that, right? The local, the, the local dominant religion is not going to like it. The local dominant financial structure is not going to like it. The, lo, no, lo, uh, the local political structure is not going to like it. And when they get caught doing something bad or get caught with a problem they can't handle, they're going to say, let's blame those people. Let me play the absolute devil's advocate. I know what the response to my argument is going to be, but people are going to say, fine, financially successful, intellectually successful, but subversive simply and because they, they had a written religious tradition no, no it, wasn't, it wasn't like anything special but their their tradition was written not everybody else's tradition was written because of it it gave them an edge and then because they were excluded from certain economic areas they were forced in economic areas that actually became profitable like you couldn't charge interest rates in certain parts of the christian world so now they were set up in kind of like the post lithuanian empire to a certain degree promoted uh, Jewish population as a means of control of local peasant populations, knowing it would create a distraction from the yes. elite. Yes. So, but, but, okay, and th that would be one. So, like, they set it up to say, like, charge interest rates on the lowly population. They're going to hate you for doing it, and you're going to be rich for having done it. And then fast forward, just hypothetically, to Donald Trump impeachment, where you have a I the the response is going to be there's as many Jews defending Trump as there are prosecuting Trump, but there's going to say, Vinman, Schiff, Nadler, Boxer, uh, Feinstein, everyone involved in undermining democracy as we knew it, or at least the key players are Jewish, even if the key players defending Trump also might happen to be Jewish or there's overrepresentation. How do you respond to that? That is going to be the crux well, of the, the argument. But that's a secular professional class bias amongst the uh, Jewish uh, population in America. And so it's like one of those things that's kind of, to me, it's why anti-Semitism doesn't make sense in the end. Unless you're Arab and you oppose any Jewish majority state. By the way, they also oppose a Christian majority state. Look at what happened in Lebanon for the people still living in well, La La Land. No, but they, they, they the, people talk about the Sabra and Shatila massacre and then blame it on the Jews as though Israel did it. Yeah. Not to say Israel was not partly, you know, maybe... Most of the Christians fled Lebanon. Talk to anybody that was who fled Lebanon, whose family had been there for a lot longer than the Palestinians had ever been in Palestine. The, uh, it, you'll hear horror story after horror story related to a combination of Syria. and in, Now, over time, they've all been on everybody's side. You know, Since the 1980s, when they all keep changing sides, you can find some historical time frame where the Maronite militias were on the side of Hezbollah, or Maronite militias were on the side of uh, Syria, or Maronite, you know, it varied because they were all competing with a bunch of different groups for power. But you go back before all of that, most of the Maronite Christians fled because of the behavior of the Muslim majority. I mean, the first crusades were a response to Muslim prosecution and persecution of the Maronite Christians, not so much Jews, that uh, was part of the rationalization and justification for the first crusades. So the, uh, I mean, so it goes, goes way, way back.
But the main reason, what distinguishes Jews? They're a minority religion. They're a minority religion in a large part that have a big enough population, often one, two, three, four percent. And that's what makes them convenient scapegoats. But in modern America, what does that even mean? I mean, the most secular Jew, most Jews are secular. Most of them are Democrat. Most of them being Jewish means nothing. It has nothing to do with their identity. <laughs> most of them are Democrat is what I don't think most people truly understand. Yeah. And most oh. of them will vote Democrat again. They'll vote for the Rashid Tlaibs. The Jews and Rashid Tlaib <laughs> will, will vote for, I mean, so it's like, what does it mean to be Jews? It's like saying that somebody in Denmark is Christian. If they never go to church and are not evangelical and are not orthodox and don't believe in the religious text, like, what does that even mean? It means nothing anymore. Okay, Moon does, by the way, Moon does, I've seen you, I got your message, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this. It says, appreciate your balanced view about this divine issue. Been trying to contact you about the business sponsoring your show. Sent from an email under the topic of other. I got it, and I'm going to get in touch with you and then put you in touch with the guy that does the stuff. It's not me. Uh, Barnes is on fire, says Tim Good. Bass Tracker says, Chris Ray and Sally Yates are significant parts of the old boy network. That yes. controls politics, justice in Georgia. This includes all high-end Atlanta law firms. May tr many Trump defenders have hired high-end Atlanta law firms uh, who are predisposed to misadvise them in order to get to Trump. I agree. Tim Good, fire emoji, fire emoji. I'm not going to read all this. 25 fire emojis, 24, it's even. Torgo White says, Barnes, can you expand on what your perspective on what criminal punishment should look like in the U.S., perhaps a Barnes Law School episode. That'd be a good one. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it would focus on rehabilitation and deterrence. It would focus really on deterrence, for which rehabilitation... I'm not a rehabilitation because of, oh, I feel bad for this person. For rehabilitation because it produces a productive person that leads to better deterrence. You know, it's common. That I learned, what I learned from the Native American tribes and how the elders did justice in the system that I was part of, that I got to witness... And experience. And I was like, this makes so much more sense than everything we do. Uh, and since then have been much more inclined towards that. And then while I disagree with aspects of Michel Foucault, he did understand our prison system well and in, in ways that expose deep problems about what it represents uh, to the state, what it represents of society to allow its power. So I agree with a lot of Foucault's critiques on the prison system. Uh, and then we got, hold on, we go back to the screen. Uh, Bass Tracker, isn't Hamas more of a U.S. proxy war via Qatar than an Iranian proxy? U.S. Control, controls and launders their financial support for Hamas through Qatar. Depends on which way you look at it. I mean, the uh, Qatar is definitely deeply invested, and Qatar spends a lot of money in the U.S., a lot of money. So, uh, and, and they choose to promote Hamas, and uh, the U.S. turns a blind eye. Why that is? Is it Qatar's money? Is it something else? You know, but I think the one thing that all, I'm a very big critic of all of these, I have a hush-hush on the rise of Islamofascism and its complicity with Western intelligence. I'm a, I'm a big critic of all these things. Well, the one thing a lot of them sometimes want to, want to end it there and ignore Palestinian agency. Palestinians have chosen Hamas. Palestinians have chosen this course of action. And we shouldn't ignore that. It's, it's, the, it's the biggest hurdle to peace is not all the shenanigans by our intelligence agencies. The biggest hurt, if that ended tomorrow, this problem still exists in Palestine and Israel. Um, and it's because of the Palestinian belief structure. And as long as they believe to be Palestinian, to be an Arab nationalist means no Israel can exist, no Jewish majority Israel can exist, then you're not going to solve the problem.
All right, we got um, Bass Tracker, Make Ukraine, Russia again. I should preface this. I do not necessarily agree with the positions I'm reading. I'm just reading the chat. Don't even leave a patch called Ukraine. Let it remain a NATO and carpetbagger playground and money laundering. Yeah, the problem is, unless he wants the same problem Israel has with Palestine, then he can't do that because uh, the Western Ukraine hates Russia and hates Russians and has for more than a century. They think they're the original Russians, by the way. They used to call themselves Ruthenian Nationalist Association. Just research the history in the United States, for example. Uh, so uh, the anybody that thinks Putin wants to be sitting on Western Ukraine hasn't been paying attention. So they, I understand the logic. Scott Ritter has made that argument. I guarantee you uh, he wants nothing to do with that. He wants the polls to be stuck with him. Uh, what are the odds we'll get a Senate impeachment trial of Biden, says underscore Tony? I think uh, over 50-50. Robert, there are a lot of people who think that Newsom will announce his candidacy for president after the debate between him and DeSantis. I'm going to go to that, by the way, people. I know you don't believe that. They will swap out Biden. Why are they debating? I mean, DeSantis to promote himself and Newsom to promote himself. I'm sure Newsom would love to be president. It doesn't matter. That's the He's thing. less it's popular than than Biden by a big margin. It's a he has win, no chance it, of beating Trump. None. It's a win-win situation for this, for uh, yeah. Newsom. Like he's got nothing to lose. Do it. Right. It's, it's it's publicity. But the uh, don't expect him to run. He's not going to run and lose. They, that that's not. If he ran against Biden, Biden would crush him. That's so it, it the it's not it's not worth his time. Fantastic. He wants Biden to just go away. Fantastic Realist says you should get law professor Glenn Reynolds, otherwise known blogger as Instapundit, on for a Yeah, I know, Glenn. Yeah, you teach at UT, UTK, Tennessee. Robert Barnes, the reggae lawsuit reminds me of this programmer who generated every eight notes melody combination possible. Would that have a legal value? D2 According QC. to this suit, it would. <laughs> now I'm going to refresh because I don't know if I'm not yet at the most recent bottom of those tips. Before we, I can't believe I haven't been... Um, I, 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 I interfered with by a child. Nancy P. Oh, hold on, we'll get to the end. Bass Tracker. People cop out and say they've been fighting for thousands of years. They begin with the Philistines, but skip 3,000 years when Jews and Arabs got along to the 20th century when Europe screwed everything up. It was kind of Europe. It was really the misdirection of pan-Arab nationalism. So the because this really arose at the end of the 19th century during the latter stage of the Ottoman Empire, when, uh, when various, the Arab world was wondering, why are we declining? And the conclusion of certain cler clerks, that was the foundation of the idea behind Muslim Brotherhood, was it's because we've abandoned a strict interpretation of Islam, and it's because we've failed to politicize Islam. That was, their, that was the foundation for all of this. That then transformed into a form of Arab nationalism that was greater Syria and everything else after World War I, when those projects failed and the various royal regimes, the Jordanian regime was at the throat of the Saudi regime. Some of that you can blame on British and French intermingling in the Middle East and picking winners and losers and siding being on both sides at all times, which they did all the way through, but not entirely. Some of it was due to in the, the Arab world, Muslim world, misinterpreted their own history. It wasn't due to a lack of strict politicized Islam that they had the Ottoman Empire had declined. It was due to entirely other things. And then nor were the prior caliphates that were most successful, the strictest interpreters of, of Islam, especially and most ironically, Iran was was a area of Persian tolerance more. And now it's the the predominant intolerant regime in the Islamic world. 
But what happened when they didn't work is they said it's the presence of Jews, the presence of Christians uh, in, in the Arab world, that that's our problem, that they uh, and thus the definition of I'm an Arab nationalist because I believe there should be no Jewish majority country. That ideology started by a failed pan-Arab nationalist from the Palestinian world whose family had gotten rich and profitable off their ties to the Ottomans in the Palestinian regime to the detriment of the local population. And they diverted everybody's attention into, let's get rid of Israel and that will be our defining cry. It was his idea to make the Alaska Mosque a significant mosque that had not been significant in the Islamic world for about a thousand years. Uh, and yet people, you know, go around pretending that it always had this great religious significance. Not when the Arabs controlled it, it sure didn't, uh, the for most of their history. And so uh, that's the, so there's a ten, there's a plenty of blame to go to Israel and Europe for the current condition of affairs. But that cannot ignore Palestinian agency. And the, the principal source of ongoing problems in the Middle East is the Palestinian belief that Israel cannot exist as a Jewish majority country. Until you overcome that, you will not solve anything. Bass Tracker $10 have refreshed. U.S. tries to tempt Arab countries and Iran into war by stirring up and amplifying trouble in Israel and Palestine, but with BRICS success on the horizon, they may not take the bait. BRICS is not moving anywhere, unfortunately, uh, because the euro dollar system controls the world, not the U.S. dollar system. And that's not a reference to the currency of the euro, but Jeffrey Snyder's explanation of the global creation by the international financial banks, financial banking cartels, if you will, uh, of their own monetary system. And until that's understood, then BRICS will go nowhere. Uh, and that's one of the mistakes made by the anti-globalist uh, crowd is the belief that BRICS is a meaningful challenge to uh, the, the U.S. dollar hegemonic power when in fact it's not the u.s dollar that's hegemonic in the first place that and thus you could have predicted what jeff snyder predicted which is over the last year dollar value hasn't gone down under bricks it's gone up dollar use in global transactions hasn't gone down under bricks it's gone up uh once you understand that then you can understand where bricks probably won't be a meaningful challenge at the moment this one touched me personally because I know I, I know Cal Penn, not personally, but from Harold and Kumar One, Escape from Guantanamo Bay and A Very Special Christmas. Possible mini hush-hush, Cal Penn, who starred in Harold and Kumar and Designated Survivor, is an Indian actor. He's hilarious. Somehow served in the Obama administration. He came out as gay a few years ago, but didn't come out as gay under Obama for some reason. Possible secret gay lover. No uh, affirming or oh, yeah, Oh, yeah, yeah. You mean on the, the, the Audi, that Obama was there? <laughs> Look at all the evolving stories on this. Oh, now we God. got a Secret Service tape. Remember, originally Obama wasn't there. Obama wasn't even on the property. Obama was overseas. Then it comes out, well, maybe somebody was there from the family. Then it turns out, oh, Obama was the one there. And then it turns out Secret Service were involved in this. I mean, clearly something happened. What did this guy see? That he did, that a guy who couldn't swim decided to go paddle boarding. At no, night. I, I still, I'm going to go with the most simple explanation. They were doing drugs and he fell under the water unconscious and died. And that's mm -hmm. it. Period. That's a fair one. That, that's a possible one. The, I mean, that, that's more, that's more ex explicable than a guy who can't swim deciding to paddle board at night. Eight, eight feet of on water his own for, without, you dude, know. I, Robert, I did a, I did triathlons. I never, I did a triathlon doggy paddle. 45 minutes it took me to do the, whatever it was. It was an Olympics, it was an Olympic length. I did it. 
No, uh, nobody, unless you bang your head. But then I heard the audio recording. I talked about it last week. Like, yeah, there's a drowning issue. Means it's ongoing. It doesn't make sense. But I, I'll get, uh, dude, if Cal Penn would Maybe, come you on. Know, we, my, my hush-hush version of that was. I don't know if I put out a full hush hush version, but we're exclusive to locals at the moment. So the uh, my <laughs> the, theory hold, was hold on, who to, this, who to blame. Rob, Think about it, Robert. This is going on YouTube tomorrow morning, so d- don't say anything oh, you don't okay, want. Okay, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to go to VivaBarnesLaw.locals.com to find out who's oh. really responsible for the drowning. Royco one says George Soros by funding all of the blue DAs. What is his end game? Oh, we've got chaos. He believes there should be no borders. And he believes he doesn't believe in national governments. He believes that there should be an he's been open about this. There should be an international small elite that governs the entire world. And he wants to create the conditions for that to occur. And part of that is destabilizing existing institutions for which chaos and crime help facilitate. Rockahora says Ricada and Delonga and Turtle Boy with an I, not a Y. On like five months ago, they, they gave a rundown on the story. Here's the link. Barnes Patel had a story about a Fed judge taking him to task for the me- for, for lack of decorum via his outfit. Any similar experience? Oh, yes, yes, yes. I mean, I always, but it was once that I damaged my uh, uh, suit pants on the way to court. So I had to change to jeans. But I had no time. It was midway to court. Judge just went berserk on me wearing jeans into the courtroom. <laughs> I was like, I had to wear because the pants got destroyed. They, they got caught and tore them up. And the, but the judge was a total prick. Uh, so the uh, wasn't a surprise. I, I still have diff. You know, I think a lot of that's nonsense. The the uh, uh, but it is what it is. So I've been told that my wife left to pick up my kid. There's food in the oven. Uh, a child had a meltdown. <laughs> Otherwise, had a good night. Okay, skip all that. I there's Robert. Hold on a second. Uh, ironically, it was Russian Ukrainian Zionists who settled in Palestine uh, who started oh, well, it all. To a certain degree, that was where nationalism did take on a religious uh, tone for Jews. In other words, uh, but it was Jews who experienced the collapse of the Polish-Lithuanian Empire. And after the collapse of the Polish-Lithuanian Empire, they've been very tolerant and welcoming of the Jewish population. Uh, they they got stuck back in the mini Holocaust cycle. Like, if you go and look at the DNA histories, there are whole DNA lines of Jewish ancestry that just vanishes. I mean, there had to have been multiple mini-Holocaust in Europe over the over the decades. And it was only during the Polish-Lithuanian Empire that really changed. They were very tolerant. Um, now, sometimes for their own pernicious reasons, sometimes for good reasons. A uh, very dominant, powerful empire. But when it collapsed there in Russia, then that's where the word pogrom begins. They experienced systemic, systemic discrimination. And then this is the rise of ethnic nationalism, whether that's Ukrainian nationalism, Croatian nationalism, European nationalism, Arab or African or Asian or Latin nationalism. It's nationalism around the globe in the late 19th century. What form does it take for the Jewish population in Eastern and Central Europe? It's, well, we, it's return to the Holy Land, create uh, Israel. It's thus Zionism. That's how it's nationalism. But the thing was, when they started out, it was mostly an unpopulated region. You can read the commentaries, you can read the studies, you can read the censuses, you can read third-party sources, you can read Samuel Clemens and Mark Twain. Palestine is mostly unoccupied. Its population remains very small from the 6th century to the 20th century. And so when they're first going there, they're going to get to resettle uh, Israel under absentee landlord uh, Ottoman ownership that didn't really care too much, uh, sporadically was concerned with it. This was not the Holy Land for 
Muslims. That's Mecca in Medina. Uh, and so at the time when they first launched it, they didn't think it would be that big a deal. And then the Brits went back and forth. Help the Jews, screw the Jews. Help the Jews, screw the Jews. You know, different day, different ruling. Uh, and the beginning of our interventions began. But it was more the pan-Arab national diversion into anti-Jewish state, anti-Christian state, Islamic fundamentalism, politicized Islam that happened for a range of historical coincidences between 1870 and 1940 that we have the current conflict that we have. All right, we got dollars up because euros down, says Bass Tracker. Yeah, that's, that, that's definitely part of it. How dangerous is Doro's son, the one who's taking over the kid? We got that one. Uh, Bass Tracker. He's dumber. We... He's definitely dumber, as the question <laughs> asked. This is the question it's, right. Dudes, it's, it's rice paddy to rice paddy in three generations, whether you're Soros or whether you're someone you've never heard of. So it'll happen. Uh, Alter Boy says, Muhammad and the Arabs threw out the Jews. Jews got along and worked out for the Ottoman Empire and the Umayyad in yeah, Spain. Yeah, the primer caliphate. Caliphate. By the way, uh, this is where Jews got some bad name, collecting taxes for the Sultan. Bass Tracker, U.S. tries to attempt Arab countries into Iran. By, did I think about this? I, I read that. Yeah, that one we read. Okay. Oh, we got a few more Do topics. it, Robert. Do it before a kid comes in. I, I, I hear. <laughs> did you I read hear... about the magic mushrooms? Yes. And I'm thinking, okay, that's great. So the, a doctor wants to declassify from, I screen grabbed it because I didn't know what class one to, schedule one to schedule two was. Schedule one is addictive, not helpful, with no medicinal value. Schedule two is potentially addictive, potentially harmful, with potentially some medicinal value. And they want to bring psilocybin, silo, mushrooms, magic mushrooms. Yep. Uh, I was about to I was about to share too much information. I haven't <laughs> I haven't done those types of drugs in since I was a child. So forget all of that. Um, they want to bring magic mushrooms into the schedule two medicinal value. And I, I listen to Rogan. I listen to a lot of people. Apparently for PTSD, uh, end of life care, anxiety. There's there's medicinal value to it. Uh, the not the CDC, the FDA. Which one is it? Which which body am I? DEA in this case. The, the DA says we're not we're not bringing it from Schedule One to Schedule Two, and we're not telling you why. And they say, tell us why. And a judge basically said, tell them why. Did yeah, I get exactly. That Thank good God, enough? the Ninth Circuit finally holding government agencies responsible. They're saying, look, when you deny a schedule ranking or anything else you're doing that a person has a right to petition the government agency for, you have to at least explain how you got there and why you got there and address their evidence. And it's like you do none of the three. So we're saying your decision was wrong. We're remanding it for you to reconsider. But, but And it's because they, they – and then they put out that, that the method that they currently have to determine whether something should go to Section 1 to Section 2 may be unconstitutional. So I would like to see the DEA, like the FDA, stripped of a lot of their monopoly power in this context. And this case goes moves us more in that direction. Uh, that, that answer, the question I was about to ask is why would, they'll just issue some other, some flippant sort of willy-nilly because, and then if it's the because is unconstitutional on its own, that raises more questions. The Mushrooms, look, in as much as they might be damaging, uh, you know, psychotropic and whatever, addictive i've never met anybody in my life who said i'm addicted to mushrooms yep. period but I'm, i might be a schnook all right what's the next one uh just the statute of limitations this was a lawsuit against norfolk southern brought by a person who was uh, who was injured while working for an, uh or working with norfolk southern and they try to say oh you had to sue sooner because you should have known all the different ways we injured you and the court correctly identified that you just because you know they might have injured you in this way doesn't mean you've you have 
you know every single claim you could bring against them because you might have a different injury caused by something else, and that can be the basis of a later suit for when you reasonably discover it. This was was from last week. It was about the rotator cup, and, and he had a bicep problem, which then later he discovered was a shoulder problem. They said you should have discovered that when you discovered your bicep problem, so we're not covering you. Okay. And the court correctly said, no, we're not going to impose that kind of ludicrous standard on, on ordinary people. Uh, so to its credit, right decision. Uh, and then we got two left, uh, trans and kids sports and benzene in your shampoo. Let's do the benzene in the shampoo. Robert, with, like, I, I've gone full crazy. I don't like wearing or putting on suntan lotion because I believe it causes skin cancer. I'm sorry. This is going on YouTube. Clip it and snip it. Anything with uh, aluminum hydroxychloro, whatever the hell it is, I'd rather take my chances with the sun than take my chances with both. Uh, the, 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 the benzene stuff, like they're putting stuff in your hair for dry cleaning your hair, not for cleaning it dryly without water. And it's a powder. You put it on wherever the hell you inhale it, whatever the hell happens. And now they're discovering it might cause cancer. They might've been hiding it and tough doogies, you're dead. And we've made our profit. Good luck suing our next CEO. Um, break it, it down. It shows the problem of the chemical age. We, we have chemicals in industry, chemicals in medicine chemicals in food, chemicals in cosmetics. And we mass introduced it and basically mass experimented on the Western population for sure, to a certain extent, the global population. And this is one more illustrative example of it. And these so-called agencies meant to protect that from occurring, facilitated it, promoted it, enabled it. And so it shows the source of the problem is too many chemicals in our everyday surroundings whether that's our domestic environment, whether that's our food, whether that's our plastics, whether that's our cosmetics, whether that's our medicine, and agencies ill-equipped to ever stop it from being dangerous. And we need to restore power to the jury system and away from the regulators and the bureaucrats. Uh, and we need to be more publicly conscious that all this chemical experimentation probably isn't a good idea. Such that, you know, you, like I said, dry shampoo. What, what's safer than the that? What the, what, Turns out it's benzene attached to the butane. Hey, someone's going to say dry suntan lotion. I'm going to say I got questions. I, I just asked in the chat, am I crazy? I got a lot of immediate yeses. Power Cleric says, nope, not as long as you can still ask the question. I might be crazy and free, but I might still be crazy. No, it's, it's nuts. Like, oh, hey, a dry shampoo. Ask a question. It was antiperspirant, Robert, that I stopped wearing because it had aluminum. I noticed it. Let me just, I'm gonna, I want to see my face here. I noticed it. I had white shirts because when I was a kid, I used to wear white form-fitting shirts to show my muscles. They would always have like a yellow residue under the armpit. I was like, what the hell's up with that? Wash it off. It didn't wash off. And then I realized it was when I wore antiperspirant with shirts, it would stain the shirts. When I stopped wearing antiperspirant, I go to deodorant now. Uh, what's the one I'm using? The one, the red one. Uh, Old Spice. That's what I'm using. Uh, but not the antiperspirant. I no longer get stains under my shirt. That means something. And I, I might be crazy. He's in. I might be crazy, but I might also be right. Robert, shh, quiet. Sad Wings Raging says $5 tip. Sanity is a crutch for those who can't handle reality. I am stealing that and putting that on a shirt. <laughs> Boss, Bass Tracker, AOC is set to go rep for Sun. He's the set person for representing uh, certain products. I can't show you what's going on here. Come, come behind, come behind. No, you can come behind just so people can see what I have to, what I have to live with. I got I, the kids have discovered the cameras. Here, 
Take a picture. Uh, I got. Okay. Okay. This party is over. Hold on. Hold on. Oh boy. Uh, it says uh, how I understand the land problem in Israel. First, there is no problem when the. He- I'll skip that one just for now uh, until Turkey says. Okay, hold oh, on. Oh yeah, yeah. Get- Turkey did say people during this. Okay, come, just coming in. Spanish show them. Show- Give me oh, they they all got the cameras. No, it's not just that. They're, they're, now they've opened up my camera bag. I have good oh. camera stuff. This is a this is an old lens. So the kids don't own this. This is uh, they're borrowing this. They're bro- if they break it, it's going to be the end. Okay, now take this back. Get out. Okay, don't don't even take it. Get What's just it? just get out. No, 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 no. Get out. Go go. They're gonna fight over who gets a camera that they don't even know what the other camera does. Robert, um, are you? Are oh, we have-, have one last topic: uh, the big trans and kids cases. The Fourth Circuit that said you have to stick trans in bath- schools' bathrooms is now deciding whether West Virginia's laws that allow and require biologic sex to be the basis of sport participation for school sports, who, whether that violates yeah. Title IX in the Constitution. Who could have ever thought this would be controversial, Robert? They're saying, yeah, it's biological sex is what defines it and not gender identity. And the flip side argument is gender identity defines it. And you can't tell me you're not dis- discriminating against gender identity when you're discriminating against gender identity. Make it well, make I mean, sense. Dave, this is the Biden judge who originally issued an injunction against this law, who after trial reversed himself <laughs> because he said all the expert evidence is overwhelming. There's obvious massive biologic sex difference in sports, something he shouldn't have needed expert witnesses to educate him on, but but figured out. So even he flipped. But these liberal Democratic judges want to force trans kids into just want to destroy the concept of, of gender identity in a meaningful way by letting it be so wholly subjective and independent of biological science and destroy girls' sports in the process. So we'll see what the Fourth Circuit does. This case is probably heading to the U.S. Supreme Court because it's neatly legally presented. Can you protect girls' sports by only allowing biologic girls to participate in girls' sports? Or does Title IX, can it be so distorted, so misconstrued, and the 14th Amendment so reversed from its original purpose that now you can't even protect girls' sports by only allowing girls in girls' but sports. But Robert, trans women are women, so to protect women's sports, you have to allow biological males in. That it makes trans total women sense. are just crazy. Tra- the trainees are just nuts. That that's the short answer. Someone someone had posted earlier today on Twitter. Uh, it said, "You don't. I don't know if you have neighborhood watch in America, but we used to have neighborhood watch, and there was like a parent on oh, the yeah. block, and they said you have to look out for X, Y, and Z. And then the guy said, and now X, Y, and Z." are the ones that you got to invite into your house and then, you know, parade your children around and, and dance in front of. It doesn't make sense. And call it a bigot for stating reality. It was a diagnosable mental disorder and there's nothing wrong with that, but it did not become normalized and it certainly did not become the basis to discriminate against biological women. Wasn't Period. that a Seinfeld skit? You know, you, that person's gay. There's nothing wrong with being a transgender individual. It is what it is and it was what it was but it does not trump women's rights, period. Cancel me. Robert, this has been the best episode. We, three hours in, my goodness, if I, and I feel fresh as a daisy. Am I gonna, I'm gonna see you when you're in Florida or? or yeah, yeah, hopefully so. Okay. Well, I assume you're gonna go into the uh, Oh, shit, shoot balls. Yes, I'm going, I'm going. So we'll see each other there. Uh, we're gonna say our proper goodbyes. If we missed anything, we've done our best. Everybody, at some point I gotta go and make sure the kids are not breaking my cameras. 
Uh, thank you all for being here. I will be live, if not tomorrow, Tuesday, but we'll see each other next week. So everybody enjoy the week. VivaBarnesLaw.locals.com. Peace.